There were questions asked and answers given there in the chill of morning, but afterward Bran could not recall much of what had been said. Finally, his lord father gave a command, and two of his guardsmen dragged the ragged man to the ironwood stump in the center of the square. They forced his head down onto the hard black wood. Lord Eddard Stark dismounted, and his ward Theon Greyjoy brought forth the sword Ice. That sword was called. It was as wide across as a man's hand, and taller even than Rob. The blade was Valyrian steel, spell-forged and dark as smoke. Nothing held an edge like Valyrian steel. Well, you may have noticed in that quote that the, f- the phrase question and answer was in there, the first sentence there. And so what I did for this episode to prepare for this week's live stream, which of course is every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, 11 GMT, we have quotes with the phrase question and answer all throughout this episode. I thought that would be fun to look up a lesser known phrase, something that people haven't probably searched for before, but it's in there. The phrase question and answer comes up quite a few times. So throughout this episode, we'll have quotes uh, that feature that phrase. So hello and welcome back to History of Westeros podcast. We are doing Q&A today. Anything goes. You can ask us about whatever you want. Uh, It can be, well, personal. (laughs) It can be about the winds of winter. You can ask us what we had for breakfast. In fact, someone did ask us what we had for breakfast. So you don't need to ask us what we had for breakfast because we're already going to answer that question. It's in the queue. And as you can see, Ashea is here with me on this side of the camera. Hi there. Hello. I'm here. That's true. (laughs) It is true. She's here and helping out as usual, and we're going to have a lot of good questions that we both answer. So yeah, so no guests today, but I want to thank all the guests we've had throughout this run of Fire and Blood coverage. Of course, today isn't just Fire and Blood. Like I said, you can ask questions on anything. I do expect that most of the questions will be Fire and Blood related, but hey, maybe I'll be wrong. So... If you um, have been keeping up with these live streams, I know that YouTube has changed a few things about how you get notified. There's a little bell button right there below the video screen uh, next to the like button. If you could both hit the like button and hit that subscribe button, you will be more informed of when we go live. And that's uh, that's a useful thing, I hope. Also, a couple of shout outs real quick before we start. Uh, Our patrons have been uh, kicking butt lately, as always. Especially lately because of our new bonus episode on Gagasos. And I want to give thanks to Jeff Gnarly, the Long Snapper, History of Westeros' first sword, and a couple of our Dragon Rider patrons who are uh, we have Telenis the Talon, uh, King of Gagasos, Rider of Telerius, the Red Dragon with Midnight Scales uh, and Wings of. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do that from memory while I loaded it. I almost got there. A red dragon with scales, horns, and talons of midnight black. And Robert the Fourth of House Ardeacor, burned king of Blazewater Bay, rider of Atroxus, the black dragon with bioluminescent spots like smoldering embers and a banded blue tail, as you can see there from the art of Ed Shear. Um, yeah, so, oh, looks like we have a super chat uh, from Thank Stephen you. Stark. He asks, pancakes or waffles? And uh, he also says, Ashea is the best. Mm. Well, do you answer right away? You should answer first. Okay, I would go with pancakes for a couple of reasons. I like waffles just fine, and I have a Death Star waffle maker that's really cool. That is cool. But pancakes, you don't need to have a waffle iron. You can just make in your pan. I don't know. That's a good point. You can make it. It's the more versatile. Plus pancakes, I don't know. I've I've made cream cheese pancakes, and I've never made cream cheese waffles, so... I have a tough time picking, honestly. I think uh, I see the merits of both. I think I prefer pancakes for breakfast, but waffles for snacks other times of day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're having breakfast in the evening, because you can just kind of grab a waffle and hold it <laughs> and pick it up. It's, you can eat it by hand. I'll you can do like that, that with a pancake too. 
That is true. You Think can, about crates, it's, it's a little messier, but you're right. You can do that, too. Anyway, That's a fair point. Fair point. <laughs> the hard-hitting questions are the ones we're starting with here. <laughs> we got another super chat here from Maura Lee. Just love and appreciation for all that you both do. Love your channel and the content. Well, thanks, Maura. Maura also had sent us some questions in advance, which we'll be getting to at some point in this episode. So... Thank you for the super chat and for the questions, Mara. We'll be uh, answering your questions at some point, uh, not too far from now. We have been working on the rest of our schedule for our Fire and Blood coverage. As you may know, we are going to do this until the season, uh, season eight starts. By the way, season eight is a topic you can ask us about, although we don't, we don't, we're not going to, we don't have any spoilers. We have, we're not spoiled in season eight at all. Um, so we have insight, no, but no, true. no leaks or anything like that. So normally I do like spoilers, but for this season, not so much, partially because I know they're trying to trick people a little bit. Yeah. It's really interesting. The whole I'm spoiler culture. Off of it. I don't really want to like think something's going to happen in the, I mean, it would be fun, I guess, to, to be like, all these spoilers say that Jamie's going to actually kill Bran. Or, <laughs> I don't know what. And I, I'm like taking it back and then it doesn't happen. So 15 year old me would just be blown away by the fact that that fake spoilers are published, that that's a <laughs> thing that has to happen to keep things under wraps. It's so wild that that's a thing. It's like government secrets. It's like corporate secrets and government secrets and military secrets are protected <laughs> along similar lines. It's just strange that entertainment is, uh, is on that level. Uh, okay. So Let's see. What other announcements do we have before we get to the first questions? We have, uh, as far as the rest of the schedule goes, we've got a couple of people lined up. I won't uh, announce all of them yet because we haven't, uh, it's not all settled. But I would like to say if you have particular guests that we haven't had or guests we have had that you want to see again, let us know. It definitely helps uh, make our, help us make our choices. So, uh, yeah, we, we definitely rely on that feedback a lot. Uh, looks like another super chat from Marvin Martin, and we'll answer it now because he says, "Gotta go, but want to ask how a cripple like Sunfire beat a sneaky fellow like Grey Ghost. Dragonbone is black, but Tessarian's claws are copper. And if magic dies, will the dragons and wolves not love their humans anymore?" Okay, so that's three questions. The first question is, "How did Sunfire beat Grey Ghost?" Just to back up and explain that for people who maybe aren't fully clear on that, Grey Ghost is that really reclusive wild dragon. And Sunfire, of course, was Aegon, the second dragon, who was wounded multiple times. And at one point, they thought he couldn't fly, but somehow he made it to Dragonstone. It is really hard for me to understand that, too. I've wondered that, too. And I assume that maybe Sunfire just got lucky passionate. and snuck up on him. And he's passionate. I don't know. <laughs> he tried really hard. Yeah, no, he that works. He's more into it. I don't know. Yeah, it could be just also that... Um, there was some sort of something at night, you know. You know, I, I, I assume it was some sort of a copper claws are the key to this. <laughs> um, Somehow, Tassarian's copper claws were how Sunfire was able to, to hide <laughs> and capture. And, and as for the, the dragon bone is black, Tassarian's claws are copper. I don't think that we know. Like, I don't think the claws have to be the same color as dragon bone. Yeah, that's that's. See, I mean, yeah, because like fingernails aren't the same color as bone, and you know that, that claws are the kind of the equivalent. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure. Maybe maybe that's a so better. Maybe someone could fill us in on lizards. Maybe some of my biology is a little off there, but uh, they would be the closest comparison. In any case, we, yeah. In any case, we just don't have a, a sure answer. I didn't even realize Tessarian's claws were copper. I thought that just about every little part like that was black. All like the wings and other stuff could be other colors, but the claws. You, th you thought the claws were black for all dragons? I guess I hadn't I thought know. of it like. I consciously kinda, yeah. but when he pointed that out I was, I was surprised when I saw that question okay. so the last part of the question is if magic dies 
will all the dragons and wolves not love their humans anymore? I don't think so. Um, I think the wolf bond to to the humans is certainly the the uh, part that allows them to talk and communicate. Mm-hmm. That's magical. But I think the rest is just kind of animal pet bonding or animal I mean, human bonding. Yeah, dogs love humans still today. I don't know about whether lizards love humans today. They but, um, they can get used to human owner, owners, you know, yeah, lizards that are... Something. But dragons, it's hard to yeah, say with dragons. Wolves, I would say, definitely are going to still like their owners. Dragons, well, they are magical creatures. There's maybe a little... We maybe can't treat them like normal lizards. But, <laughs> well, we definitely can't treat them like normal lizards. <laughs> no. We can't treat them That's at all. That's just the closest comparison I have. But I think that... Maybe uh, dinosaurs, I don't know. There's a chance they would behave differently without magic in the world. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure about that. It might explain why some of the dragons... When the w- magic waned, dragons like um, Silverwing just kind of went off to be by themselves rather than, mm-hmm. you know, behaving like they did before. So there might be something to that. The, the magical forces that are wax and wane in on Planetos may impact dragon behavior, and that could bleed over into how they interact with people. It's a good question. I never thought of it that way. That's I like that. So, back to okay, announcements. Back to announcements, indeed. We are going to have – we're definitely going to discuss – the Hour of the Wolf with Nina Friel. That's one episode we've got planned. I think that's the 19th of February. And mm. next week, we're still nailing down. And we haven't then, had her on, have we? We haven't. So that's going to be fun. And then we're going to have in if March. you don't know, by the way, she is goodqueenally at tumblr.com. That's right. And a very, very interesting person to talk to about all of this stuff. So I'm that's looking right. forward to what she has to say. Probably the person I talk to about the Song of Ice and Fire more than anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> So that uh, so her influence is on our episodes quite often. Anyway, but and she's got a couple things in here that we're going to get to as well. But also, I want to announce um, if people are keeping up with our Twitch streams, they've been really fun. We reclaimed the kingdom of the uh, Riverlands recently with our house horror stream, and we are currently uh, Hodor horror right now. That's H O A R E, not uh, the other way, and that's really fun. Twitch.tv/slash History of Westeros. We're also going to be playing another game on Twitch soonish. It's in beta, so we, we, we're not going to start it just yet, but it's called Game of Thrones Winter is Coming, and I've been playing it and enjoying it, and we're going to uh, be showing that soon. It's a, it's a fun browser game that's, well, it's a lot more than a browser. It is a browser game, but there's a, it has a lot more features than you would expect for a browser game, so well, I'll be uh, getting into that later. And, of course, we have a lot of the schedule for the conventions have been coming out this year. There's been a lot of news in that regard, so this is a good time to remind everybody that we... And by we, I mean myself, Ashea, and Sean mm-hmm. will be at several cons this year. The, the, the three of us will be at, in particular, Ice and Fire Con in April. Which... They have their schedule published now. It's a schedule that will be tweaked as we go forward, but it does have a pretty yeah. solid schedule right Yeah, now. I'd say it's 80 to 85% settled. There's going to be a couple of small changes, mostly people being added in, uh, to panels. Probably not a whole lot of new actual events added. In fact, Sean is going to be teaching yoga at mm-hmm. uh, one, one of the events there. That's pretty cool. But Some, you can use the code HISTORY. It's also on the screen. That's right. HISTORY gets you $5 off your ticket purchase. Same goes for Con of Thrones. That's in July. So lucky for us, we get to use the same discount code for both cons. That way, you all don't have to remember two different codes. And it's the same deal, too. $5 off your ticket purchase. We That schedule is pretty far from coming out. Um, it's not since, since this con is in July, mm-hmm. and so they're still getting all that settled. But uh, but the last two years, 
We've all done a lot of panels. I, in fact, have done the most panels of anybody. And not to brag or anything. Not to brag <laughs> or anything. But I will be doing, I expect to do a lot more panels this year. Maybe I won't be doing the most, but I'll certainly be doing a lot. And Shay and Sean will be doing several as well, as well as a lot of other. Hey, come check out our panels or just come party. It's just a great time surrounded by people, the same kind of people you would be interacting with in the chat or in our Facebook group or what have you, but in person. So, hey, that's really fun. Uh, Thomas Pappas Super Chat asks, was there a three-eyed crow before Blood Raven, in your opinion? I think yes. Yes, I, I agree with Shea. I think there yes. There was another big green seer. Right. Yeah, he may not, he wouldn't have been called the three-eyed crow. Yeah. That's a topic that we break down in the Blood Raven 3 episode, which, by the way, I've made a lot of progress on. Up to 19 pages, 20 pages on that. And, and um, Blood Raven 2 was 44 pages, but then it was three hours long. So that was a particularly <laughs> long script and a particularly long episode. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is the three-eyed crow is just a nickname Bran gave this thing in his dreams that mm. didn't have a name, and whether Bloodraven had someone coming into his dreams, well, Bloodraven was mm. much older than Bran, so it's kind of tricky. But yes, there were green seers who probably contacted Blood. May have been, may not have just been one guy. That's one thing that's a little tricky. Mm. We know that things have kind of died out. That the the old gods aren't as powerful as they once were. The children have dwindled. So at one time, I can imagine a thousand years ago, new green seers maybe were recruited, recruited, recruited by the fact that there were lots of other mm-hmm. green seers. But now maybe there's just one or two. Maybe in Blood Raven's time there were two. <laughs> they took, yeah. they tag teamed him trying to recruit him. They played good green seer, bad green seer. Yeah. But no, I think there was definitely one. It's it's really impossible to get to too many details, but. Yes, I think that this is probably at least a, a shadow of of how it works. Brand's case is different because of the urgency and his youth, but I think in general that's it's what we're what we're expecting mm. to see. Let's see, we got another super chat also from Thomas Pappas. How much did G.R. Mormont know about the return of the others, Jon Snow, etc.? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. He was up there for a while. Yeah. Uh, he's been he he says a few things to Tyrion. Like a skeptic? No, I don't know. Yeah, no, he says a few things to Tyrion that that indicate that he's worried that he's something yeah. is up. You yeah. know, because he when he when he when um especially I mean we have like Benjen and stuff and people having just disappeared. I don't know. It yeah, seems like he has reason. And Benjen's definitely not a skeptic. Benjen was one of those guys like you don't know what's beyond the walls. Like don't uh, don't you know be otherwise on that. And, I kind of doubt he knows about Jon Snow unless yeah. Aemon said something, but I don't know that Aemon had something really, I don't know. I mean, being aware of Jon, obviously he knows he exists. He probably knew that Ned Stark had a bastard. But but as far as him being Rhaegar's and Lyanna's, yeah, yeah I, don't, I highly, highly doubt that. But I do think that he was suspicious about the others because when Garrod runs off, remember, it's, 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 it's later in the book. It's a few chapters in after uh, Will is executed, or sorry, Garrod is executed, that... Mormont points out to Tyrion that he's not the first. He says, we've had a lot of experienced men just run away. And that's really strange. You got a, Garrett was a 40-year veteran of the Watch, and he ran off without telling anyone. That's really scary and really strange. So I think Mormont was worried. Maybe he wasn't like, oh, it's the others for sure. But that's something magical. Something very strange mm-hmm. is going on. Got a funny message from Smokahannis here that I want to say out loud just to make sure we hold Sean to it. <laughs> she said, I come to Ice and Firecon if Sean lets me braid his beard. Ooh. I'm quite confident I think he would let you braid his beard. I think we should uh, push for that for sure. I do. And, and we would take lovely. And people absolutely want to see pictures of that. Yes, for <laughs> sure. So uh, try to remind me to ask Sean as he's. Good idea. So other things y'all can ask us about, apart from Fire and Blood and general Song of Ice and Fire stuff, includes Season 8, 
By the way, if you're doing the one episode per day challenge to get ready for season eight, meaning if you watch one episode a day starting tomorrow, February 6th, if you start tomorrow, you can watch one episode a day and be done right before season eight starts. So we're not doing that. But if other people are, this is the time to do it. I would probably, I'm going to grind out some of season seven and rewatch some of that, but I'm not going to do the whole show again. Also, you can ask us about You're the prequel show. You're not a real show. fan. <laughs> you can ask us about the wins of winter, of course. And of course, Fire and Blood. And like I said, you can ask us personal questions like what we had for breakfast. You can ask or... us about the wins of winter, but we will have no concrete information for you. <laughs> so let's warm up with some real, some easier ones. For example, I want to ask, actually, I want to put a question to you guys, to the chat. Thanks, th- thanks to Tommy Pappas for his two super chats. I want to turn one around. He was asking us which, uh, which of his names that he's going to, he's going to do some boxing and he wants to know what his boxing name should be. Oh, yeah. He suggested the Laughing Storm because he likes that character a lot, but he also suggested Tommy the Tickler. Those are both pretty good names. So chatters, vote on that. You decide. Should he be Tommy the Tickler or the Laughing Storm? Or something else. Or something else, sure. Nice yeah, nice. y'all, y'all be creative. Do you have your vote? Please? I'm going to go with Tommy the Tickler. I'm going to go with the Laughing Storm. Okay, cool. Just because I, I personally would not want to be associated with the Tickler. I'd rather <laughs> be associated with the Laughing Storm. That's a good point. As a person. That's so, a very good uh, point. <laughs> that's, that's me. We've also got another super chat here from LML. Oh, hey, buddy. Shout out to LML, Between Two Werewoods, and the, uh, Lucifer Means Lightbringer Mythical Astronomy of Ice and Fire channel. Yes, he said, if Benjen hid the horn and dragonglass, where do you think he might have gotten them? Did he find the children, or is he an amateur archaeologist? Definitely an amateur archaeologist. I mean, <laughs> it's really the unsung t- tale of the stories is Benjen's passion for archaeology. He's basically Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana Benjen. And yes. yeah, uh, where, do he, where do we think he might have gotten them? I do think he probably, I think this, this, this kind of refers to your second part of the question. Yeah. Did he find the children? I think yes. I don't know that he could have possibly known what he, to look for a horn or anything like that, or to have had a horn. So it's just so neatly presented, a horn filled with dragon glass arrowheads. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure that there's a better answer than that. He's going out there looking for, going ranging. He, he, he if, if he had been looking for the children uh, specifically, you think he might have said something. Not to John necessarily, maybe to Mormont, and Mormont might have told John later. Yeah. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking of any other possibility besides the children. Uh, so chatters weigh in as well. But it's it's one of those things that we only seem to have one good theory. And so that's it's the best theory because it's the only theory. <laughs> the other theories I've heard on this are, are all just too out there for me. They're a little too tinfoily. Like, yeah, he knew somehow. I don't know how he could have known. Uh, Ned Stark didn't seem to have known. So I don't know how Benjen would have known uh, more than any first ranger would have. Mm-hmm. You know, the same suspicions Mormont would have had, maybe. As for the uh, names, by the way, for Thomas Pappas, the, I saw one really good suggestion that wasn't in there. Oaken Fist is a pretty good fighter name for hey. Aaron Ginsburg. I think that's pretty great. Hey, that is pretty good as far as in a Song of Ice and Fire name. Oaken Fist, yeah. Oaken Fist. I like it, but uh, I I just, like I'll it. add that to That's pretty good. Poets, I like that one. Um, um, we've also gotten a couple of super chats. Yeah, we have. We'll, I'll, we'll keep continuing with those. The other, just just one more thing about LML's question. Yeah. We know that the children basically aren't found unless they want to. You know, Benjamin's a, a sneaky, clever guy, but I just have a hard time thinking that he would find the children without them you know, wanting him to find them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, oh my God, Benjen found us. How did, how are we so sloppy? I think they would, they're only detected when they want to be, I think. Yeah. Um, at least by humans. <laughs> 
So we have Mod Mary one, mm-hmm. Alyssa Farman plus Glamoring equals Quaith. What do you think? I think we actually have this question elsewhere in here, so it's good. We're gonna answer. We're gonna mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll cover it a little sooner than we we planned on. That's fine. I'm of two minds about this because I don't think Quaith has to be anybody in particular. I don't yeah. think Quaith has to be a character we already know. I don't think she has to have a connection to Daenerys. Because, here's why. Daenerys is, according to Benero, the high priest of the Red Temple. As in, the top priest of the Red God in the entire world that we know of. This guy says Daenerys is Azor Ahai. So, it makes sense that if anyone who's kind of understands the prophecies and identifies her as the the person that's going to save everyone, it would make sense that that's the person you reach out to and talk to. So I think a lot of people think that Daenerys, there must be a relation uh, or a connection because why else would this person be talking to Daenerys? But I think it's that. I think it's because she's the savior. And so they want to guide her. There's a lot of people who want to guide her and make sure the world isn't ruined because she doesn't know what she's doing. Hmm. So that's kind of the way I see. But you got a character with a mask on, and why is why is her face hidden? You know, like what's the why? Why would George bother to hide acne her face? Acne scarring. <laughs> it could just be the way he wanted to do that culture. It could be acne scarring. Maybe all the Ashai have. That's why it's the Shadowlands. Yeah. They're all just trying to do low lighting so no one can tell. See their pockmarks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I, I don't think there's anything strong enough to say that she's Quaith or that anyone is Quaith, and I don't think we have to say that. But it's absolutely possible. I don't think she's Shara Sea Star either. But I do hope we learn who she is. Well, just one way or another, if we figure out, because she is very mysterious. I'm very curious. Hmm. Stephen Stark. Yeah, Stephen Stark. What fire and blood content would you most like to see adapted to an HBO series? Any fan casting for favorite characters? Ooh, that's really good. That's Feel free really to good. Chime in in the chat with what your pick would be as well. I really like that. Uh, the fan- I really tend to be a big fan of. Like, I mean, it, it's. I don't. Obviously, I, I, my pitch was Nymeria, the Roinar, obviously. That's still really and good. So my, and that's a, a seafaring, traveling through all these different places story. And my next pick would be Alyssa Farman and the Sun Chaser. I, it's the tale I would like to see um, is just Sea Voyage, I guess. Yeah, that's... Weird. It's not something I'm particularly into, but it is the one I would name again. That one would be really good. And by the same token, Coralie Spellarian, you know, yeah, because of his, sure. he goes to some all the also really cool yeah. places. Yeah. And so I just want to see this, all the locations. Yeah. I think is really what it gets down to for me. Um, but I also think there's some, some stories in there that would be like, there's like little ones like that one about the murders at the inn. That's like very horror, like Stephen King, just this, this terrifying thing. And like, that's not a story I would want to see as a TV show, but a lot of people would be really into that. That is, yeah, that's a good one too. I, I want to. I'm curious about as well. A lot of the incidents. I kind of want to know what happened to Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. what her life was. I'm not interested in that much. of interested in her as a character. Yeah, no, but, but just, that's I mean, a really she went and like made a made a name for herself and a life for herself. Just starting from a pleasure house there, and yeah, yeah that's pretty pretty interesting stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I think also uh, one last one I would throw out there is. I think the the aftermath of the dance is really interesting. You have so many strong characters with a lot. You just have a lot of really good conversations and intrigue at the Red Keep with Cregan Stark. And mm-hmm. uh, later on, you have, um, what's his face, Unwin Peak, who is just a mm-hmm. super schemer and yeah. uh, a terrible guy. <laughs> One of those characters that you just love to hate, you know. Uh, so, yeah, he's kind of like Walter Frey plus Tywin combined. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Um, uh, what's next? We've got a couple. We've got one from Max McClung. Thanks, Aziz, on the like for my Wargroove uh, Westeros map on the Facebook page. It was an absolute delight to have my favorite podcaster slash YouTuber like my map. You didn't show me that map. Well, th- well, I guess I should. I, should. Uh, I, I Obviously, I will tell you guys that the maps along our back wall are my obsession with maps. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm taking aback. There was some <laughs> Westeros map you have not shown me. You must have been asleep or away yes, from the house or something. Sure. But anyways, sure, yeah. I'm excited to see your maps. Yeah, I'll show you that cool. afterwards. Yeah. We'll maybe share it. And, apps, and, and to everybody else, if you have art of your own making or you think something you think we haven't seen, yeah, show it to us. We love, we have long been and big supporters of the art community uh, in A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones. And Especially cartographers. Yes, because you know we love the world building and maps. <laughs> that, is, that is our main groove there. Uh, speaking of war groove, that's our groove. <laughs> and in fact, we have some plans. We're working with one of the artists we've worked with quite a bit mm-hmm. for to add more art to our episodes on the regular. We really want to have it be you know it's good that our faces are in the episode some but but as we've been adding more and more maps and mm-hmm. art we want to keep adding more and more maps and art because there's plenty of us in there already yeah. <laughs> and maps and art just adds so much to it so it's not that you know maps and art don't always come cheaply so that's part of the issue but we have we're really looking forward to working with drafter g on this and other artists uh, down the line for mm-hmm. projects like that. So yes, our our effort, current efforts towards improving the show. Is now, if you, yeah, if you didn't get that, artwork. the artist that we're um, going to have some collaboration with, uh, we haven't announced this yet, is at on Twitter Drafturgy D R A F T U R G Y. If you want to see what kind of stuff you can expect, if you haven't seen their work, go check them out on Twitter. Hmm. I really love their style, and I'm really excited to see what they do for us. Yeah, it's going to be really fun, and we hope we can make it a regular thing. Seth Wilkins asked, do you think Rhaenyra's kids are strongs? Well, the other day on Twitter, I posted, The War of Five Kings. Yeah. The seed is strong. Dance of the Dragons. The seed is strongs. So, yeah. yes, I yeah. do think Rhaenyra's kids are strongs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at Rhaenyra, and you look at, you know, Lanehor, and where, where did, like, and you look, and you look at Lenore's parents too, and you look at the, there just isn't anywhere nearby the looks that they have. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like in real life if you were to have like three generations of African Americans, and then a white baby pops out, like someone cheated. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like maybe if you had a white a white parent or a white grandparent, then like okay, then it's excuse, possible, right? But, but if you just have several generations weird. in a row, so yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's pretty for sure. And, of course, the, the names just are meant to, like, we have Joffrey there meant to evoke, like, no, these are not, you know, now, real. <laughs> to be fair, there is uh, some brown hair in the background of Rhaenyra's side through the urns. But yeah, it's just, for all three kids to have that extremely unlikely genetic it's trait. Like, the way the brown is described yeah. is not, like, the typical And it's the way nose. The, they have his yeah, nose, it's, too. It's, it's, it's a number of things that are not, it's not the air So it's the have. motive... The 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 orientation, the fact that yeah. Lenore was not interested in women, yeah. and the fact that she was with Breakbones all the time. Yeah, it's just I, I really can't. I put I can't put this. Do in we the, even know that the Aaron in the in their background is has brown hair? Is we that don't. Because sure? I always thought that, that that them has been having more blonde hair traditionally, don't. based that, on a number right. of Aaron's having blonde hair. You're totally right. That's not um, even a sure thing. So, so we, yeah, it's just a, it's just a fact that we don't know for sure. Uh, <laughs> Very long claws says sends a super chat and says boxer named Breakbones, aka Broken Bones. Hey, yeah, there that's you go. A good one too. That's a, that is that's a pretty funny. good fit, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's very. Uh, funny. 
You've got the prince that others. wasn't promised. Is that the next one? Yes. Everyone asks, one. always asks about favorite characters. What about the worst five characters? Like the ones you hate the Jorah. most? Jorah. Jorah. Okay. That's my number one. I mean, you do you think I would go? Like, there's obviously really obvious ones like Ramsey and Gregor and I don't know Euron maybe or just terrible Littlefinger. Those are just terrible people. But Jorah is a character that I think is terrible, but is frequently not viewed as as terrible as he truly is. <laughs> I will. I'll go down on this ship saying mm. that Jorah sucks. Um, well, so, good, so that's that's yeah. my big answer, I suppose. I, my I, controversial I, answer. Yeah, worst is like objectively worse is yeah, different like, than like, least favorite. Like, yeah, because yeah. you're right. Because Jorah obviously isn't objectively worse than no, Ramsey. not, not like, or Greg yeah, or, or, or anything Greg, like yeah. that. But yeah, just like the tickler, he just rubs you or the wrong like way. All these minor characters, but yeah, I don't know. I. I uh, I don't have a lot of separation on mine on that in that regard. I, I, I guess I, I'm I don't hate Jorah, but I, I feel he does. He is a little creepy. And I just feel like hmm. he, he, he was a slaver. He's he yeah. feels like he is entitled to things and he becomes a slave. And I still don't feel like he really learns his lesson. <laughs> I don't feel like he's I, I still feel like he would do the same thing. I really dislike Theon, I guess. Theon, okay. like, uh, as much as, you know, Theon has redeeming qualities as a character, uh, cause he's, he's interesting to read. And the actor, of course, Alfie Allen crushes it as him, um, in live action. But yeah, Theon, he's just, those early chapters, he's just so, yeah. like, smug and entitled just, yeah, and just like, and, he, and stupid at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, boy, this kid, you just know he's gonna screw up. And yeah, he sure does. <laughs> you do eventually feel kind of bad for him. Like, at least I do. Yeah, you know, for like, sure. I don't think hardly anyone deserves that. Maybe Ramsey does, but. But but very few other people do. Mm. Um, Michelle Vitulli asks, where do we get our maps? Well, you can't see all the maps here, but if you look on our website and our about page, we list some of the places where we got them. The ones you can see immediately behind us right here, the Westeros and Essos, are, of course, Michael Klarfeld at Claridox, who does our video intro and who has an Iron Islands out uh, map out and is working on Dorne right now. And, I mean, he just has helped us out so much with a lot of different little things here. We love he's, Michael Clarkfield. <laughs> um, the one off in the corner you can barely see um, is a Game of Thrones board game by uh, West Nine Productions. Again, it's on our website, but it was a custom nine-player Game of Thrones board game map. We loved Game of Thrones board game, and we made our own cards, our own board game cards for this version, but printed out their map. Um, and we've got two more off screen. No, we've got, we've got three more off screen. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to take me a second if I want to <laughs> go through them all. So really, I guess I should just recommend you look at our website for the information. Yeah. And, um, and, and big thumbs up to Michael Clarfeld. But yeah, Michael Clarfeld is the best. I think they're the best maps out there. I think I, they're so vibrant and have so much life. And they have better detail. And little de detail. Just, I mean, and there's really nothing that compares to it when it comes to Essos. There's no good Essos maps. So yeah. um, I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, yes. Claredox.de really like is the website. Two thumbs up. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Acre Frey is in the house with his tongue twister. He says, I'm not saying some scientists have too much time on their hands, but apparently some people at MIT say, Pad Kid Poured Curd Pulled Cod is the most difficult tongue twister. Boy, that is hard. Pad Kid Poured Curd Pulled Cod. That is Kind of messed it up a little bit. Pad Kid Poured Curd Pulled Cod. <laughs> Pad Kid Poured Curd Pulled Cod. <laughs> Our well, new channel is going to be Tongue Twisters. <laughs> yes, it's the Tongue Twister channel. <laughs> that is our uh, next one. That's really good. Yes. Let's see. Um, we've got a couple other messages. 
from anime lover Nicole. She said, so I have a theory. Don't know if anyone came before me about the Thens and the Wildlings. So I think the Thens and some of the Wildlings were part of the Night Watch when it was created but forgotten. Your thoughts. Hmm. That is interesting. I have not heard that idea no, before. That's either. an original theory as far as I know. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because, of course, the, I, I assume one of the reasons she says this is because the Thens have a very, very different culture than the rest of the Wildlings. They actually have authoritarian, kind of more like a monarchy system where they follow their tribal leader. He's a chief, but he's kind of like a king in that they follow him absolutely. Whereas a lot of the other chiefs of a lot of other Wildling clans, it's more of a... He's kind of in charge, but, you know, they don't kneel. Uh, they don't have to listen. If you don't like what your tribal chief says, you can just go to another tribe. The Thens aren't like that. They're like, no, you're a Then, You are here. If you leave, you can't come back. And, you know, you're an outcast. And they also have metalwork and they have bronze working. Hmm. So this is part of why people think that there's, there's, there's maybe some connections to them and some other ancient cultures. Um, connecting to the Night's Watch is difficult. But if you consider that there would have been no wall thousands and thousands of years ago, these cultural distinctions may not have existed back then because it would have just all been a bunch of first men. There would, there may have been some guy, you know, northern first men and southern first men and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the distinction wildling probably didn't exist back then. Yeah. Because there was no wall separating them for these cultures to grow apart. They were all free folk. Yeah, they were all, yeah, they were all free folk first men. <laughs> and none of them, and very few of them knelt because there were very few kings back then. First the, folk. First folk. Yeah, that's free good. Men. I like it. The first folk, first men, the first men of the first men were first folk. That's <laughs> an interesting idea. I think it's, it's, there's probably some sort of connection between them. And it's entirely possible, and this is, seems more likely to me, that when the first... Uh, when the Night's Watch formed for the first time, that there were people who would have been among that, who lived in that area, that vale, the Valley of the Thens, mm -hmm. that maybe joined the initial Night's Watch. Yeah. So maybe they weren't, So and, and eventually over time, given that they were separate from the rest of, of Westeros, they wouldn't have felt the need to help protect mm. this wall when it's not protecting them. I mean, that makes sense. I wouldn't, who would want to, it's like being taxed for building, you know, on something that's protecting somebody, everybody but you, <laughs> you know. So that's no good. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, though. I love, and of course, we love getting into the into the weeds with the super ancient history. Which, by the way, that's something that I hope they address in the prequel show, in the Age of Heroes slash Long Night show. This is something that could come up. We could see old school fans. We could see that this is something that could get addressed. We could see the origin of the wildlings and what what how they were referred to back then. I got a question here from Broken King who asks, I think it's a question that you'll have something to say about Aziz. Okay. How stupid do you think was Unwin Peak? He could have built up a warm relationship with the king and advanced his house, but instead he treated the poor boy terribly. Do you think he was stupid? Would you use that word for him, or do you think that's putting it extremely? I think uh, there were a few things he did that were kind of stupid. Um, he was also very clever. Uh, you know, he, he, was, he was able to do a lot of things and get away with them. But I think he definitely, the way he handled the marriage, trying to handle, trying to get his daughter married to Aegon III was stupid. That was a very poorly executed plan. It was just too obvious. <laughs> yeah. He just, like, pushed everyone else aside. These older girls that were going to potentially be married just mysteriously got, you know, people attacked them and cut their face and did all these horrible things to them. It was just really blatant. He, he No one could pin it on him, but everybody knew it was him. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's clearly him, but there's just no proof. And he's such a powerful man that no one could kind of get him. And no one wanted to because, hey, if he's going to do these, all these awful things to these girls, he's not going to stoop 
to doing things to people who are accusing him either. So, yeah. So I think it was... I. Would you agree that it probably was him who had ordered uh, Jahara thrown out the window? Yeah. 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 I think that's nearly yeah, a slam dunk. Way. Exactly. And it was his bro- bastard brother yeah. at the door guarding her. Yeah. It's just. His name is so fitting for how, um, he, how hard he failed. <laughs> Unwin. No, no winning for you, yeah. pal. Those peaks, I swear, they're just uh, one of those families like that. They're like the, the high towers where they're just a huge part of the history but not a big part of A Song of Ice and Fire proper. With high towers, I suspect they're going to become important or more important. The peaks, though, are just are stripped of all their power. However, there are peaks in the Golden Company who want yeah. to reclaim their old lands. So the peaks are going to come up. I just don't think they'll be a big player. Mm. What is next? Bunch of questions. Take your pick. Okay, I see one from Joe Magician. Hey there, buddy. Good to see you. We had Joe, a.k.a. Matt, on two weeks ago for our Shivers slash Winter Fever episode, along with Robert of Indeep Geek, and that was great times. He asks, what is each of our favorite t-shirts? Do you know your answer? I know my answer for your favorite t-shirt. Okay, tell me. I don't know. I'm not like, my my favorite of your shorts, I should have said. (laughs) Yes. It's the Rocinante Express shirt, because it's the shirt I most regret buying for Aziz instead of buying for myself. (laughs) Huge mistake. I love it so much, but at least I get to look at it. The Rocinante Express is a mashup of the Futurama, the, the Planet Express ship, and Rocinante is the ship in the Expanse. Yes. So, and it's purple, too, which is yes. his favorite color. I love so, it. multiple uh, yeah. reasons why yeah. I, I was a little surprised you gave it to me instead of keeping it for yourself, but I love wearing it, too. Uh, yeah, so. you've gotten many comments on it. Yeah, people um, people do like, hey, is that the, yeah. you know, they, they'll re- they'll recognize half of it. <laughs> and I love all my shirts very, very dearly, but. Um, I'm particularly fond of my Ray versus Ren shirt, which is a spy versus spy mashup shirt. That is a really good one. Because um, I love spy versus spy, and I like the Ray versus Ren, Ray, the Ray versus Ren element because I want to make it clear that I am not shipping Raylo. <laughs> so it has a little extra. I feel extra validated when I wear it out. Um, but I've also got I think most of my favorite shirts. I guess are Star Wars shirts. I've got a great Calvin and Hobbes uh, mashup with uh, Ray and Chewie. Mm, I like that a lot. Nice. I like my mashup shirts. I like your mashup shirts. Those are my favorites. Like you have a Hypno Throne shirt. Hypno Toad on, on the Throne. throne I like all the mashup shirts. Yeah. The I really like the mashups too. I really like this one, which is, uh, I really like this yeah. genre of, which is the A Song of Ice and Fire mashed up with bands. Like yeah. the, the Slayer one for Jamie. It's Kingslayer. King and this one. And this one is particularly, I'm particularly this fond one of this one. This one's like Aria, like ACDC or something. Yeah. Um, this this one, for people who can't see, it's the Hound shirt. It's it's made up to be like Motorhead. Someone commented that because how it was folded up earlier, it made it look like a little gremlin. <laughs> instead of the Hound's man, you know, instead of the But this shirt, this shirt's even more special to me now because apparently it's out of print. Yes. People have asked about it and I've tried to tell them where to buy it and, I, and it's not possible. So yeah. So it's also special to me because it's, 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 it's yes. rare. <laughs> that is true. Anyways, yes. Uh, oh, Sen Rixie says, but what about Sanri shirts? Yeah. I love those. Oh, so you yes. got to make us some mashup shirts, and then you'll really have a slam I love, dunk. I do really like that North Remember shirt. Yeah. And, and it's it's been really popular. I like fandom. my Queen of Love and Beauty shirt. That one's really um, good, too. I haven't had that one as long. With Liana on it. I've personally. seen that. That North Remember shirt has been all over the place. Like, Jeff yeah. Jeff was wearing it last night. Uh, Jeff Hartline and uh, not, a, not a cast on their mm-hmm. uh, live stream. And, yeah, it just pops up everywhere. 
Yeah. It's probably the most uh, widely worn fan-made shirt, you know, like it isn't mm. built made by like some official company or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah, um, shirts, love shirts. We've long wanted, I've long wanted to do a catalog of all of our shirts. <laughs> yeah, just do um, like a like For a the website, because we lab. get this question a lot. It should go on our about page, like a fact, like a list to where to buy all the shirts. Yeah, that would be it, really It's nice. been something I've wanted to do, but we really have a lot of shirts. Oh, and LML says, what about your mythical astronomy shirt? Oh, that's well, a good LML, shirt. I will tell you that it'll be my favorite item if you if if there's a, ever a mythical astronomy dress. I love the pattern on that, that that design, that color scheme. I'm just like, I really want a dress that's like that gold and black. It's that's just, a good it's, shirt. It's yeah. a really nice. Color I like that scheme. shirt for sure. Okay, so Acre Frey says, "What are your favorite GRM books that are not A Song of Ice and Fire?" Can we get some love for some of his other books? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I've read almost everything else he's read, uh, written rather. Uh, I haven't read the Armageddon Rag. No, oh, yeah, a few short stories, but I've read uh, everything in the Thousand the Worlds. Rag. It seems like some stuff you would really like. That's true. I, I probably I'm, I'm, you like I'm kind of saving and it. Stuff like that. I just haven't. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like it's the last one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But I really, really love Fever Dream, and but Dying of the Light, I think, is is my favorite of his full length other novellas or novels, rather full length novellas. Yeah. Since that's an oxymoron, and it's really good, and it's got a lot of proto um, concepts for Song of Ice and Fire. You've got the Bolton skin uh, skinning concept in there, and they're hunting, and some of the skin changing stuff. The world building is just so good in that story, and the story itself is really good too. Um, a lot of the short stories are fantastic. The Stone City is wonderful, and it's got major House of the Undying vibes in it. Uh, I really, really love and seven times never kill man, mm. which is so cool. It's got Children of the Forest vibes. It's got Child of. Uh, it's got the Pale Child Bacalon, and it's super deep. And and uh, for a story that's only like twenty twenty five pages. There's so much in it. You can sit there and geek out over all the details for a long time and, and figure out things that are really interesting. And, of course, Night Flyers. Night Flyers, mm-hmm. a TV show, is out oh, now. Yeah. I haven't watched Night Flyers yet. Yeah. I heard that they changed a lot about the world building, which was a slight turnoff for me because, again, I love his world building. And mm-hmm. they the world building in Night Flyers, the novella, is great. And when they heard that they changed it significantly... Eh, I'm not so turned off I'm not going to watch it, but I would have been excited had they conti- mm-hmm. used his original world building ideas. Oh, what about you, Shay? You have uh... um, it's a hard question. It's, well, the thing that made me think about honestly was that blog post um, George had recently, where he really like de- delineated between Ice and Fire, a song of Ice and Fire, and Fire and Blood, and Duncan Egg. Like he was like, he isn't a ser- isn't a series. A song of Ice and Fire is one story, and uh, Fire and Blood. You know, like what would the world for that be? The Seven Kingdoms series. I just I, I just wanted to take uh. this moment to like bring up how he clearly views it very differently than I would as like this is a shared universe and like I would think of it as all being A Song of Ice and Fire but I, I don't think he's so happy with the idea of it all being about the, the ice and fire because A Song of Ice and Fire isn't what the whole story is like the whole world is about it was point. kind of the impression I got from him I, I don't know it was a really interesting hmm. blog post about like how you define literature like that and he he felt Fire and Blood was best served um, for the Hugos under best related work Related work, yeah. Instead of under best for best series or under because he didn't feel like it was part of the series. Okay, and that's um, fair. I think I think a lot of people would yeah, agree. Yeah, but he with also that. said he does not think of a song of Western fire as a series, which a lot of people would disagree. He really? said that he says it's one story. It is not. He does not oh. think of it as a series. Okay. Um. So that that's all a huge digression, but I, I I think it's really interesting. One um, long book. Just yeah. So it's like <laughs> technically for that question, Duncan Egg, Fire and Blood, Rogue Prince, all of those are not a song of ice and fire, huh. according to his. 
Perry definition. Who knows? Maybe he was just feeling that, like that is how I refer to them. I, I refer yeah. when I say a song of ice and fire, I mean the five. Me books. too. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I'll de- I definitely say a song of ice and fire, and I'm talking about all of the books set in Westeros in Esso, just set in. The, I guess I we should be doing Seven Kingdoms doesn't even make sense. I don't know. He was suggesting that, but that doesn't yeah. make much sense hmm. either. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. a good thing to uh, good thing to parse. <laughs> Joe Magician says, "Weird. No one said wild cards." <laughs> uh, I have not read wild cards. It sounds really cool to me because I like the idea of the superheroes. That it's the same thing he does with Game of Thrones. It's yeah. a fantasy series, but the focus is on the characters, not their yeah. crazy powers. And and it's the same thing with wild cards. Is it focuses on these characters and their struggles with having powers and what that means in this world that doesn't accept them and all that. That sounds cool to me, but. You know, I just haven't picked it up. <laughs> I'm not. I don't read a lot of comics. Not. That I have nothing against the genre. Just not my thing. I guess. I mean, it's not really a comic. It's a book, but it's a comic setting. You're right. You're right. I, you know, yeah, that's a good point. It's that's not a, a comic. It's just a, you know, it is. It is the sort of setting that a comic would cover, but yeah. in a literature. In my form, head, yes. it seems like you're right, though. Just, but it is certainly like a very like. There's a lot of them, and you have to commit to a lot of different authors. That's part of it. Of it's characters. so many. It's a vast world to dig into. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe Magician asks, what is a mystery or subject you think the fandom as a whole spends way too much time on? Two things come to mind right <laughs> away. R plus L equals J, <laughs> or, or alternate theories between R plus L equals J, or just the main details on it. Because, like, okay, consider Westeros.org, which is the yeah. main slash original fan site for discussions and forums for this, for this uh, fandom. There are still, there are R plus L equals J threads that are still active from like a decade ago <laughs> people are still it has to be reset every like 12 pages but then it gets renumbered and they're like in the 200 or something i don't yeah. even know. i don't pay attention anymore but that's i'm not exaggerating it, it's hun- literally hundreds of restarts on this thread of just <laughs> discussing our plus i'm like i that blows me away like you know you guys know i'm obsessed with detail and can geek out over a sentence or two for hours and i think they're going way over the top and that's coming from me so uh, another one would be the pink letter. I think the okay. pink letter is discussed too much because it's one of those things where you're, we're just not going to get any closer on it. We're not going to figure it out. The people, everyone's opinions are pretty much settled. We're just, just wait and see what happens. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna find out. Uh, but yeah, what do you think? Do you have any uh, any come to mind for you that are discussed too often? Probably the similar ones to what you said. I don't like all the lemon tree stuff. Ooh, the really. lemon tree. I don't know. Good it one. kind of bothers me. That lemon tree one is a little annoying, isn't it? It's just it? a little annoying. <laughs> it's not like super... I, it's, you know, I don't know what too much is. I just I just don't have to talk. I just don't have to be part of that thread, so it really doesn't affect me very much if people are constantly discussing that sort of thing. What? <laughs> Smoke uh, Honest's co- comment. Uh, she said, went to buy Ice and Firecon tickets. Obviously, she's going to braid Sean's beard. And she said, an internet explorer insisted I buy fire and ice condoms. <laughs> Clearly, she went through with that. Laura Brando says, can't wait for yoga with Sean at Ice and FireCon. Yeah, I want to encourage everyone listening to this, and I tried to encourage Sean to tell people this, but for yoga at Ice and FireCon, you guys should all do some activewear cosplays of characters, like how they have party versions for, you know, the party. Do a yoga version, please. That's what I want to see, because I loved seeing people doing yoga and cosplay last year. Hmm. Like, it was, I mean, it was Laura Brando's yeah. and uh, Melanie, you know, just all these people like, in their costume. <laughs> Melisandre, Willem Manderly, and Sean. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, you guys did it. You guys were, you guys were awesome in that a couple of great photos you had last year, too, at, at the con. Oh, yeah? Were you with Laura? This just reminds me of that. Oh, when you, when you yeah. mentioned her and her costume, because she had that great... Yeah, uh, I loved her. Yeah, she says, active wear Willa, done. Perfect. See, that's what I want to see. Active wear Willa. I really just want to see, like, a row of just all these... <laughs> 
light cosplay. Yeah, it'd be great. Awesome. It's, it'd be easy to wear. You just wear your wig too, I guess. So it looks like uh, Joe, Magician, and LML share our, uh, some of our frustration with some of these threads that we posted. Joe, Magician says, The lemon tree annoyed me so much I made a 30-minute video saying why it is wrong and bad. And LML says, R plus LJ, volume 214, Do Roses Grow in the Red Mountains? That is apparently where they're at now on that thread. So you see, I was not exaggerating. That is up to 214 restarts on that thread. Wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> also, someone else pointed out in the chat that, that there's too much talk of, there's too much Sansa hate, which isn't really a theory, but I definitely agree that there is too much discussion yeah. of what's wrong with Sansa when there is nothing really <laughs> that wrong with her compared to other characters. Anyway, mm. that was not the question asked. So let's move on. Next question. Um, Plenty of choices. The Prince That Wasn't Promised asked, do you folks enjoy movie trivia and have you ever watched The Schmodown, my current obsession? I have not. No, I'm afraid. No, I have not. I, I do. I'm. I kind of enjoy trivia, but I'm not. A, I'm not good at movie trivia. I don't watch a lot of movies. Sean is the movie real movie buff around here. Yeah, and this is something Sean and I've talked about in general is with trivia that like trivia can sometimes be like this really tiny detail that it's not really fun for me to know that. Um, and yeah. sometimes trivia can be fun things. Um, and so it depends on what you mean by trivia. It's something Sean and I have talked about before because like he might know what was the 1975 Oscar winner or something, but he might not know what, you know, Oscar winner had this issue, you know, this really, this minor thing, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I, that's my thought. It depends on what kind of trivia. I think it's been said on the show before, but a lot of people probably didn't hear it. Sean, used to be the manager at the busiest blockbuster in the country. So this was obviously a while ago because it's blockbuster. But Sean... LML, by the way, I just want to say he said, I was kidding, but it is like 200 versions deep. Oh, okay. So that was a joke, but still. Yes. It was a good joke. It was such a good joke that it fooled me into thinking it was real. And that just goes to show that I thought that was real because yeah. of that's, you know... Oh, I see fun. someone with the name Brian Lefebvre, which is an Always Sunny reference. Good on you, Brian Lefebvre. <laughs> says, Sean ruined my life with flick chart. Oh, yeah. Sean, Sean may have ruined his that. own life with Flickchart. <laughs> I think he improved no, not really. his life. So Flickchart is a That's site great. where it just helps you rank your favorite movie. It, it presents you with two choices and you pick one which one you like more. And you just do this ad infinitum and it slowly ranks them based on your choices. And Sean has spent a lot of time on Flickchart. It's a great them. mechanism for deciding on things, though. There's actually in A Song of Ice and Fire character sorter on Tumblr. It was a really popular thing on Tumblr for a while where you could, you know, where you could sort things like that. You know, you just get head to head. You're like, I have to choose... Sansa or Bray, and then you have to choose, and then it ranks them. And so, so sometimes you'll get very weird mashup, like matches, where it's very hard to compare these two things. But it really makes you think about what you value and how you decide Ooh. those sort of things. It really trains your brain to make these sort of decisions, I suppose. Um, so I've used that method for a lot of things. Like if I'm trying to decide on two TV shows, which one I like more, you know, I can just boil it down to those two shows, compare them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good um, way to put it. So that's that's as best as we can do on that one. Yeah, I, I do like trivia, but yeah, <laughs> not to, I'm not a good movie trivia guy. Seth more. Wilkins asks, "What do we think happened to Marillion? Um, Well, I assume he jumped <laughs> eventually. <laughs> they put him in the they put him in the sky cells, and he was singing. And of course, when they descended from the mountain, I believe his singing had stopped." If I remember correctly, uh, which and the implication is that he jumped because that's what they say. The, the blue calls. Of course, he couldn't see. His eyes were t torn out, so he couldn't even see the blue. But I think he probably jumped eventually. Um, yeah. And if he hasn't jumped yet, he's probably will soon. 
it's one of those things where you know it's hard to feel bad for him because he was such a scumbag but what a terrible way to go out at the same time I mean, one of those people that you just like rather just put him out of his misery he doesn't have to suffer just just kill him and be done mm-hmm. with it <laughs> terrell reed asks is there a scene from the books you'd like to see made into a fan film like the battle of the whispering wood or the house of the undying i want to say we should share this at some point um we watched this video recently that we missed it came out like a year ago but it was this duncan egg fan film that was done in this, like a, a curb your enthusiasm-esque style with dunk as larry david it had ryan weber and like a great little egg i we i'd never heard about it it's funny how you can be like so that. deep into a fandom but there are so many different spheres of this fandom that we missed it. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, we can link it if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about. But it was so... I couldn't believe that it was a Curb Your Enthusiasm Game of Thrones little fan <laughs> film. <laughs> I would say... So I guess the question... Obviously, a lot of these things have been seen on the TV show. So we're th- trying to think of ones that weren't on TV or if we just really didn't like the TV version. But I'm going to try to think of things that weren't on TV at mm-hmm. all. Or things that were, you know, maybe something from history, maybe. I would love to see the Battle of the Redgrass Field. If since he mentions b- battles, um, that would be a historical battle. That would be really interesting to see. Um, just to see the duel between, to see Bittersteel and Bloodraven go at it. To see Damon Blackfire in action. I wonder who they would cast as Damon Blackfire. <laughs> They'd have to find some real badass for that. <laughs> and uh, I want to see the painting of the King's Car- Kingsguard cloaks pink. <laughs> just a little bit of that just like them like one of them like waking up to like seeing this and like their reaction i'm just thinking like a very short little <laughs> what thing. do they do they can't leave the room i can't leave my room like this but you got to guard the king but uh i actually i actually have really been thinking i even have a document about um ideas because we go to these conventions ice and fire con and con of thrones and dragon con where we see people in cosplay you know yes and i love seeing them in these mundane situations and i really um i don't know if i'm gonna have it in in line for this ice and fire con unfortunately but we'll see um but i've been working on a document of little tiny short fan film type things with ideas that i could use the people in cosplay which is already a big part of it in mundane situations bad dates and stuff like that but now i just want to find a little girl to paint some kingsguard cloaks that (laughs) That would be so cool i can make it happen myself it's it's a little um another one that comes to mind for me is the 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 appear the first appearance of or not the appearance of, but but Howland Reed's description of or the retelling of his tale of going to the Isle of Faces, which is probably too spoilery for us to see that. No fan film person could could really know what to put in that. But uh, maybe if we learn sometime down the road, we learn more about it, then mm-hmm. then someone can make a film out of that. Another one just for pure comedic value: Stannis's wedding to Selyse, <laughs> <laughs> just to see how rigid and just. Uh, like, can we get this over with? And just just picturing him doing the how awkward he was with the Lightbringer ceremony and just like sword, you know, his his needing the mitt and his cloak almost catching fire and all that. And it's just I picture his wedding was similarly awkward. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's trying hard to be uh, be proud. OK, mm-hmm. next question. Billy Jack. Do you think there is a link between the blood red slash moss green eyes and the eyes of ancient emperors of the dawn? Maybe an earthly connection compared to the celestial. I do think there is a strong chance of that. Um, eye color stuff is is, is is kind of at the heart of it's sort of the core of George R. R. Martin's secret. Uh, well, not secret, but the way his genetics work, the magic of his genetics. It's the one thing besides occasionally hair color. Mm-hmm. that really really stands out and i think the eye color stands out even more than the hair colors do and because there's magic involved it makes sense that these things could linger and continue on forever i know lml is is all, is all over this question 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yes, I do think so. I think there is a well, maybe not a link, but a potential link, a very strong potential link there. It's certainly not a slam dunk, but because it's also with anything with the Song of Ice and Fire, we have to keep in mind that there's all these kind of forms of magic that overlap. Does that mean that similar people from different cultures figured out the same mystical secrets or that there's some ancient connection between the two or maybe a little from column A, a little from column B? You know, there's some of that, some of some, some in some cases it's one, in some cases it's the other, in some cases it's both. So we can't be certain, but I think it's a strong chance and it's either the same type of magic that made this biology work this way that affected the eye colors so distinctly, or it's the same exact magic that these bloodlines have spread out so far over 10,000 years or more having passed. Uh, but those, those, those artifacts, the genetic artifacts are still there and some of the magic that comes along with them. Good question. Hmm. Um, next question. Sanrixian uh, said, Ash, what are your cosplays this year? And she's talking about For Ice and Fire Con and Con of Thrones. And I'm supposed to be doing Eleanor Costane, but I really am indecisive and haven't picked a dress or settled on it. And I'm starting to lose time to do it. And so I'm stressed out about that. I don't think I'm going to bring Danelle Lawson again, but maybe so. It's possible I could use the armor for a different cosplay, but what I really want to do is John Kill Dark. So basically what I'm saying is there's a strong chance I do no cosplay this year um, because Nashville Con of Thrones is in July in Nashville. And I don't really want to wear hot clothes. And Ice and Fire Con, I'm flying to. And it was a real hassle to bring a second suitcase. So remains to be seen. I don't know. I'm sorry to say all that. But. That is one of the hidden costs of cosplay is so a lot of times you have to bring a whole extra suitcase yeah. with you just to... So much respect for cosplay. I mean, I already did for like the creation of it, but I not, really had never thought about the actual transportation of yeah. it. I've, ta- I've talked to like Jon Snow cosplayers who just can't fly with their armor. It won't you can't fold. Hold it's it. the chainmail yeah. that's like ridiculous. Yeah, so, so it's I it's had hard. this great image though of, uh, of someone like dressed as Jon Snow trying to go through airport security like wearing his <laughs> chainmail. Like, t- like just like wear it through and then just take it off as you go through before you go through the metal detector. And, like I just really have... It's like a very very vivid image in my head. Sir, your armor is going to set off the metal detector. I don't know. Let me try. Let me just walk through. <laughs> uh, other people are agreeing. They're saying, I'm thinking about skipping cosplay for Con of Thrones too. Too hot. Other people suggest I do an activewear cosplay. You're right. I could take Sean's yoga class and I could do... I don't know, active wear Melisandre or yeah, you something. Yeah, you got to get a little get creative with the. I like that the, idea. I could actually do that. Yeah, and Stephen Stark says, yes, I've got to have an extra bag. Three cosplays going to Nashville. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's easier for driving. Like, that helps so much. You can put Joe all the stuff in the trunk. The best cosplay is Jon Snow in the cave. You can bring it anywhere. No. Oh. Well played. Yeah, it goes for all the other day. female. I could be Cersei. I could be most <laughs> all the women who are naked. You could just eat ass. Which women weren't naked in the, the show? No. Old man. Oh, yeah. Arya. Arya, yeah. There's, there's many that haven't been naked. Yeah, there's plenty. Yeah. There's very, very, very <laughs> All many. the young ones, thankfully. Yes. Um, okay, so... Let's do our mid-roll, and then we'll come back with some... You guys have been killing it with the Super Chats, but we had a lot of questions that people sent us in advance that we need to get to as well. Some questions from patrons, some questions from email, some mm-hmm. questions from Twitter. And also, I haven't read any of these question-answer quotes that I said I was going to read, so let's I'll oh. do a few of those as well. <laughs> you read one at the beginning. Yeah, just that one at the beginning. <laughs> I know, then we just got... I just had a long line of, of Yeah, you questions. guys have been hammering us with great questions, and uh, we have hardly had a time to... Do some of the stuff we prepared, but that's a good problem to have. We are not complaining even a little. 
just laying it out as it is. So let's give thanks to our Blood Rider patrons. That includes... Where are they hiding? They're hiding. They're Vorsaki, wielder of a Valyrian steel arak uh, with a dragonbone hilt. Kohal Koei, called Sunpiercer, wielder of a dragonbone bow. And Kakavo the Tamer, wielder of the wildfire whip Gehenna. We also have... Uh, yeah, Northern Champions. Let's do them this time. There's a bunch of cool lists there. We've got Jay Wilson, Winter's King, Sir Stephen the Hammer of the North, Winter's King, Lord of the First Men. we got a couple of Winter's King. They're always kind of at war with each other. And uh, we got Lady Erdros, Mother of Wolves. we got Sir Brian the Returned, Knight of the Last House, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade, Red Song. We have Sir Kobe of House Stonesmith, Words are Wind, Deeds are Stone. We have Lady Cat Jones of the Big Pond, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade, Ginger's Honor. We have Jake Snow, a.k.a. Jacob Ice Eyes, the Bastard of the Last River. We have Lord Darren of House Rambler, the Last Hunt is Ceaseless. We have Lady Bobby of House Mitchell. And we have Bullweir the Purple of Heavenly Mythhead House Taurus. Yeah. So that's our shout-outs for the mid-roll. I don't have any other mid-roll announcements, so we'll just get right back to it. We'll rush back to the questions. <laughs> rush so back. Many. Rush the back. Questions. There's so many of them. I've we also got all this cosplay discussion in the chat. Oh, cool. People talking about who they would cosplay and who's good for the heat. Oh, nice. That's a good that's a good idea. I'm some really good chats happen. Sometimes I'm jealous that I'm sitting here answering questions and not participating in the chat cuz you guys have so much fun there and I can't even yeah. I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, we also have some great questions from our Facebook group. I want to give a shout out to our Facebook group. There's a lot of great discussions in there and we posted this episode in there and got a lot of uh, good ideas for questions as well as Ideas for how to run the episode. Ha, old Nan from Ice and Fire Con and the She Wolves of Winterfell chimed in. Oh, uh, San Rixian had said that she was going to cosplay naked old Nan. <laughs> and she, old Nan chimed in and said, "Go for it, San Rixian. I believe I will keep my clothes on for all concerned." Old Nan, <laughs> and she is uh, one of my favorite moments from all these conventions. Really, was it was the first convention we went to for Ice and Fire? Was at Ice and Fire Con is when she pulled. Uh, Hodor, they were both in cosplay across by his ear. It was just like this really <laughs> got, pure and, and great moment. It got the best reaction from, I love that the, from us and everyone else. Yes, it was fantastic. Okay, so a couple of people wanted our opinion on that Super Bowl commercial. Uh, some people really hated it. Some people really thought it was funny. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I just think I have it was a strong opinion on it. it. It was kind of funny, and that's it. Like I, I just don't. I that's it. I don't really have a lot of thoughts on. I thought it. Thought it was cheesy, and I don't really know why Game of Thrones would be associated with a, a beer like that. It's very cheap. Beer. It's a yeah, yeah. Bud Light. I don't just because the Bud. I don't know. Anyways, I'm just I one. I don't even drink beer normally, but even I know that Bud Light is not a great. Beer. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a little strange. So that and uh, that's about my thoughts. I like that the show absorbs a lot of this commercial stuff because. So that it doesn't impact the books. Like there's no <laughs> one making, you know, Bud Knight commercials about the books, right? <laughs> so that might annoy me more. Uh, so here's one, here's a quote for because we ta- we've taken so this quote's appropriate because we've taken so long to get to the pre-asked <laughs> questions. <laughs> Olena says, "I asked a question. I expect an answer. Have the Lannisters stolen your tongue, child? Well, I'm not a child, but maybe I am compared to Olena." <laughs> <laughs> here's a comment from uh, from our last live stream from Joey Pettit. I crashed tonight listening to Queens and Lions and Dragons. I had a dream. I was in I was in, in a Song of Ice and Fire workshop. Every time I tried to speak, either you, McCall, or Ileana would monologue. I was so mad until I woke, seeing it was 1.30 and YouTube was still playing. <laughs> well, hey, A Song of Ice and Fire is all about people getting into your dreams. So I am actually curious. A lot of people listen to the podcast and podcasts in general when they're trying to sleep. 
well, I have dreams about whatever I do when I'm trying to sleep hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's. I wonder if that's been the case for other people that they've had dreams from the podcast they've listened yeah. to inspired by that. Yeah. I have a terrible problem with that personally, where I will watch something and it'll be in my dreams, you know, that night. So I, I don't watch horror and stuff like that for that reason. Huh. So I think that's interesting. I never thought about like. I mean, it's a lot of people listen to it when they're trying to sleep. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it can be kind of relaxing, and you know, if it, during the day it keeps you going, yeah. and at night when you're trying to sleep, it can help you kind of doze off because you you're not thinking about you're not thinking your thoughts. You know, maybe if you're thinking about what happened during the day, or maybe you have some anxiety, uh, it kind of takes you outside of your own head. Um, I've got a couple of funny funny things here. Joe Magician said someone said that about my last video slash stream. They were falling asleep listening. Then I talked about sacrificing babies. <laughs> and Zenrixian said she dreamt Tara. That's the organizer of Ice and Firecon. Kicked her out of Ice and Firecon for punching someone dressed like Santa in the face day one of last Ice. Well, that's very random. And, oh. and Cynthia Copeland says consider yourself adopted, Zenrixian. <laughs> and Stephen Stark, I've slept with Westeros history whispering sweetly in my ear. I'm in bed as we speak. So yes, there's lots of uh, bed things, dream things to do with us. I believe there is a podcast or two dedicated specifically to that, to helping people's like five or ten minute episodes that are just like, here's my great voice. I'm helping you. I don't know what they say, actually. but, But yeah. It's it's Hmm. such it's a thing that someone 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 is uh, one or two people have even decided to specialize on it. I mean, I actually, this, I will say, you guys, and everyone will judge me for this, but when we do our regular episode recordings, I've read the document many times, I've, Aziz is sitting here, he's he's reading out what he's saying, and sometimes he messes up, and so he redoes what he's saying. It's just all my way of excusing the fact that I regularly fall asleep on the couch while I'm like, <laughs> I'm here supposed to be manning things, and I just doze off. It's just really relaxing. He said it before. I, I, and I don't fall asleep that easily or take naps, but it happens so regularly, so it makes me feel like I should be listening to our own podcasts with Aziz just to fall asleep. Um. For another one from Twitter, this is from Most Everyone's Mad Here. I will say, regarding everyone being able to hear Alyssa and Balon, we are talking about a culture that practices and celebrates a betting ritual. Everyone's already expected to bear witness, right? Seems like Alyssa and Balon just had fun with it. This is, of course, in reference to Alyssa being, being, so, really, loud. being so loud during her betting ceremony. But and you have in to general, be really being... loud. Like it makes me wonder. To be fair, like you have to be really loud for everyone to hear you. So, like maybe they were just like screwing with everyone. Which is yeah, like, that's they're still, like having fun with it. Like it, it, the fact that. I mean, a castle, it just it really doesn't seem like they could hear him that far. And it could be overblown, but yeah, I'm it's just a good picturing question. like they're just jumping on the bed and like yelling. They're trolling and, everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good theory. I like it. <laughs> so we got we, we got s- several questions from Maura Lee, who gave us a super chat earlier. I'm going to do, let's, let's do those now. And I have a good one, a good lead in with a quote from Maggie the Frog. Three questions may you ask, the crone said once she'd had her drink. You will not like my answers. Ask or be gone with you. <laughs> well, more asked more than three, but we're we're cool with that. So. And I just have to say the joke. It's a joke I didn't mean to make. Aker Frey points out that I said she's faking it. <laughs> <laughs> she's faking it. Anyways, just, oh no! <laughs> didn't realize that. Um, the creepy, yes. the extra creepy part about this quote is once she had her drink. That's <laughs> Cersei's blood <laughs> that she had a little taste of. Morley's first question is: Time at that we both said had her drink, talked about blood, and took a drink of our drinks. Hearing hearing the talk of blood just made us thirsty. It's true. Yeah, apparently. 
Okay, so <clears throat> question one, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> well, my answer tells you what Aziz had for breakfast. And I woke up and I made myself some homemade Alfredo sauce because I recently discovered that it's much better. So I made Alfredo sauce and ravioli and had that for breakfast. Then Aziz came downstairs and he, he ate plain ravioli without heating it up, just out of the... <laughs> By out hand. Of the, I just grabbed it out of the yeah, colander. out of and, the colander, yes. Yeah. So, and coffee. That's the other thing I had. So, and I'm still um, having. It's, uh, we didn't really... Th- we knew we would have this question and we didn't really realize we should have had a nice breakfast. But instead, I can tell you that I had Alfredo ravioli, the breakfast of champions, <laughs> apparently. I... My f- normal preferred breakfast is plain cereal, really plain. I like cornflakes, rice, the, the, the plainest stuff. My no normal fruit, preferred breakfast no sugar. is bacon and avocado mm. or eggs and potato. That is also quite tasty. Either of those. But anyways, ravioli today. So uh, I should have said Lady uh, Mora's full title, which is Lady <laughs> Mora Lee, Oathkeeper and Green Seer of House Stark. Motto, wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure. <sighs> And the next question is, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'd say uh, you'd have to ask Varis. He's the expert on little birds. So, and he keeps all that information uh, very secret. Do you really you think know? Varis knows anything about airspeed velocity, though? <laughs> hey, he's, he's smart, but I don't know about that. He's the spider. You got to know about airspeed velocity when you're trying to set up a web. <laughs> <laughs> Question three, what do you think will kill, or who do you think will kill Cersei? Oh, I guess it could be what, but who do you think will kill Cersei? Euron, Littlefinger? She says, I would love it to be Arya in faceless man mode wearing someone else's face to kill Cersei on the show and for Jaime to kill her in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, or for Theon to kill Euron uh, in both show and books and Arya to kill Littlefinger as revenge for the death of her father and aunt in the books. So that's a, there's a bunch of different little questions there. I do like the idea of it being different in the show versus the books. Yeah, because there is no Valonqar. Yeah. And the, there is the, the three ba- – her kids dying. That part of, of the prophecy was there, but not the yeah. you, the the being choked by the Valonqar. That part's not in there. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with you that it will that it could very likely be different, especially because Jamie and Cersei are not together anymore in the show. They've split up. They could always get back together. But the fact that one went north to fight the, the fight winner and Cersei is still in King's Landing lowers the odds that they will die together, I'd say. But yeah, in the books, I still think that's the most likely thing. Yeah. Um, but no, I do like the idea of it, Arya, as, as a faceless man. I, I even like the idea, I mean, I don't know that Jamie would have died or anything, but I do like the idea, uh, you could like mute, merge them together and Arya's using Jamie's face to get to Cersei, and so she thinks it is her brother killing her, but it's Arya. Anyways, <laughs> um, I don't yeah. think that's likely either. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Next part of the question is, when or will the faceless men play a role in season eight? What kind of role will they play in the books besides the training of Arya? I would love to see Jake and, uh, Jock and Hagar again in season eight, perhaps to remind Arya about her list and the fact that Cersei is still on that list. Uh, I don't think they'll play a role in season eight. I think they just have too much to do, and I think they're out of the story now. I think that they're mm-hmm. not going to come after her. Um, they, you know, the way they sh- did the faceless men in the show, it's that the waif had an issue with her and wanted to come after her, but I don't know that the rest of the faceless men seem to care. Yeah. We haven't given, been given any occasion they do. I would also like to see Jock again. That'd be cool. He's a cool actor, good guy, but I, I doubt it. In the books though, they're definitely going to play more of a role. There's still at least one or maybe multiple, probably multiple faceless men active in Westeros. The, the kind, the, the dusky woman might be a faceless man. Uh, there's certainly a faceless man at the Citadel. And uh, that is, in fact, a lead into the next question, which is Jaken as Pate is still at the Citadel. What is he looking for? A book in order to destroy dragons with? A book in order to destroy the others with? Well, we know there's a book in the Citadel called 
the death of dragons and Tyrion thinks of it and thinks it's really important. So that's the best theory by far, in my opinion, of what he's looking for. It would make sense that the Bravosi would want to kill dragons. It would make the sense that the Bravosi would want to would not know how to kill dragons also uh, other than if they had something to do with the doom, well, that would work, but they probably don't have that option again. They probably can't uh, set up a bunch of volcanoes to kill off Danny's dragons <laughs> if they even want to. And on the other hand, do they want to kill Danny? Uh, if they want to kill the dragons, they might also want to kill the riders, which is also potentially very problematic. And it would be interesting if Arya is, ha- has to deal with the fact that her former order is coming after say John, her own brother, or someone else that she allies with. Mm-hmm. This is all pretty far in the potential future. But yes, I do think he's. I, th- I think the, the the best theory we have, I think, is the is is the one that I favor, which is that uh, he's looking for that book to learn how to kill dragons. Okay. We've already answered part six here. Is who is Quaith without the mask? So we'll skip that. Mm-hmm. And the final part of the question is, what did Varus hear in the flames? Ooh, that's a really tough one. Um, it's something that was so deep and dark that it affected him forever. Of course, he also had, he was also castrated during that. So it's a very traumatic experience, no matter any way you look at it. Um, as far as what he heard, I just, I, I don't have a great solid guess, but I think it's something I would, I hate to hesitate to use the word Lovecraftian because I think that word is used too often, but I think it fits pretty well here because I think it's. He learned something about the nature of magic and the reality of the world he lives in that chilled him to the bone, that changed his thinking forever. He's like, I didn't know this, these demons or these devils or these magical dark forces even existed. And he goes from not knowing they exist to hearing them speak while being effectively tortured and maimed for life. And uh, it almost doesn't matter what the words were. Um, the words could make it worse. The words could be even more chilling than that experience. But I think that something along the lines of a glimpse behind the curtain of reality, and it was terrible. You know, it was like, oh my god, this is these things exist. These demons exist. These dark forces exist. Bah. So uh, that'll affect you forever. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Super chat from Seth Wilkins here. Mm-hmm. Which fictional death hit you the hardest? Ooh. I've got my answers. Yeah, go for it. Um, in terms of the fictional death that I like felt I'm so disappointed with in terms of the plot line, um, and of course I'm assuming we're talking about A Song of Ice and Fire because he just says fictional, but anyways, um, is over in Martell, first of all, because I was just like so taken aback and upset at this this promising new character and storyline and all of that. But in terms of one that actually hit me the hardest without a my thought about the plot, although it's somewhat, it's Maester Raymond, obviously. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Like, yeah. <laughs> always. I mean, Egg, I dreamed I was old. is just like the line. that gets Aang, we can see it on TV, and, acted out really well. Yeah, we can see it there. And like, there is some plot stuff because I really wanted Aemon to be, see Daenerys and like stuff like that. So I really did feel like extra depth. Like, it's not like, I, I think about sometimes like why it really is that sad for me because he he's one of the few characters. I mean, he lived a long life. Like it's not, it shouldn't be as sad as some young person dying. You, yeah. you might think, but again, it's this idea of him. Like now he's old and he used to be young and like the idea of aging. But again, it also that, comes to the potential that he still had this potential to like be reunited with family. It's it's so. because it's, and it's thing about it. And that's, an, it's, it's, it's because his death is, so normal it's he dying of old age i mean that's all of us 
potentially have that in our future, you know? <laughs> and it's, so that is, that's like, none of us are worried about being eaten by a dragon. None of us are worried about being killed by a sword, <laughs> you know, but dying of old age, yeah, that's real. Or I'm terrified whether it's, of swords. I don't know about you. <laughs> whether I, it's, yeah. I live in fear of fencers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just, yeah, that's just really, that's, that's rough. Also, um, giving credit to the TV show, the Tower Joy scene was legitimately tear jerky, and so was Hodor's death. Oh, so it was the hold the door scene. Yeah, those were both really. I mean, but that's that's more about the acting and the music. The music always, boy, they can really when you when the the right music in a scene can turn it from meh to. <laughs> so uh, and and the show, of course, is always fantastic at that. But yeah, so there's a lot of really good ones in the books and show. I just it's great though that is Eamon. We agree on Eamon, and that's so yeah. amazing that it's an old an old character, the oldest character. Yeah, I know, of, and he, he just dies normal, like pretty normally. Yeah, well, that's part of it is that he has yeah. time. He gets to speak. Like most people, yeah, you get, to, you get killed in battle. You don't get a chance to be like yeah. l- rattle off all the things you wish you had done in life because yeah. <laughs> you're just dead. Yeah, his <laughs> also points out it's also his regrets and his crying, wanting to see his dead siblings again. He's broken yeah. still and never got to heal. And he, and he expresses yeah. all the the, the fear true. of what's going to happen to him. Yeah, and beyond yeah, and it's true, real. Just, just, really, I've got to stop talking about it. Really, it's like a scene that like yeah, okay, yeah, up. Like, it's so sad. Good, good, oh. bad question there. No. Yeah, <laughs> from Aaron Ginsburg, does the prominence of House Valerian in Fire and Blood mean anything in terms of the importance of Orion Waters in A Song of Ice and Fire? Good question. Orion Waters is a Valerian bastard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe he's the son of Monford Valerian, who died in the Battle of Blackwater, I believe. Uh, and I've really wondered about that. I've really wondered what role Orane Waters is going to play in the Winds of Winter and maybe beyond, probably just the Winds of Winter, but maybe beyond. And I've tried to do the thing that we often try to do is, is to make comparisons, look for parallels and to see if those if we find a parallel if there's any foreshadowing in those parallel figures. So I looked at characters from Fire and Blood, other characters in Fire and Blood, like Rokalio Rendoon mm-hmm. or, or like Oakenfist himself, and to see if how that might play out. And it's hard to see. Is Orion Waters going to join with Danny? Is he going to harass Danny? Yeah. Uh, his fleet is probably too small to be a real threat to hers, mm-hmm. but he might want to join with her. And if he's got Valerian blood, you know, she might be like, oh, yeah, the Valerians were have always been a house that's supported my house. So... Mm-hmm. But he might come back and hook up with uh, young Griff, too, right? For the same reason. That's the same familial connection is there. Uh, so, yeah, I do think it's important. I definitely think House Valerian's importance to history is going to reflect a bit in A Song of Ice and Fire. And there's really... And Orion Waters is the only character that can really play out through. I don't, I don't recall there being any other Valerians of import. I think the current Lord Valerian is a boy. So, uh, if I remember correctly, and or and the Celtigar Lord is a really old guy who fought for Stannis. That's There's the one. Be a that second there, that. I was like, as opposed as opposed to a Lord who's a girl, <laughs> just like, but no, a boy as opposed to a man. Right. I mean, it like a, me a, a ten year old or yes. something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, but I I wish I had a better answer there. Recalio Rendoon is a character I, uh, I'm interested to cover later. He's there's a lot of ink spent on him, and he doesn't have like there's no obvious parallel, and there's no obvious story that it's, it's to me he's like a cross between Dario yeah. and Euron, which mm. some people are like Dario and Euron they are one person, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. No, they're not. <laughs> From San Rixian super chat. Thank you for entertaining us, sending love and schmeckles. Well, thank you for both the love and the schmeckles. There was no question in that uh, super chat, so I have a. Uh, and and when people ask, you know, sometimes people yeah. ask questions by answer questions with questions. Mm-hmm. Had me pull this quote from Mance Raider, which is the next time you answer me with a question, I will give you to my Lord of Bones. 
<laughs> Mance Raider promised John. Well, so I will promise not to answer anyone's questions with questions. Uh, Marley asks, how do you think, or how do you see Littlefinger's end in the books versus how he died on the show? Well, how do you think <laughs> Littlefinger's end will be? I think his, oh, he's a, he's a small guy, so his end is... I don't see you giving is... me to the Lord of Bones disease. Sorry. <laughs> I, just, I think it's actually going to be somewhat similar. Not, I think the lead up to it will be very different, but I think that Arya killing him is not unlikely. Maybe... It comes out a little differently. I don't think there'll be this weird Arya Sansa conflict. And there may be some sort of Arya Sansa conflict, but it won't be like this. It won't be awkwardly designed by Littlefinger uh, because he's hiding around the corner. Um, yeah, but I do think it's going to be fairly similar because I like a lot of things in the show. I think they they got the, they George told them he didn't tell them he, he couldn't grant them his genius in making the storyline work really well, but he told them what the endpoints were and sure. They changed some things. They changed a lot of things, but I think a lot of these high points are basically going to happen the way they do in the show. Basically, you know, so there'll be a lot more interesting, a lot more nuanced, a lot more detailed. And in some cases they'll be completely different and that'll be fun because we'll be surprised. But I, I don't have a great theory other than the Starks finally catching up to Littlefinger and doing him in that way. And I think Arya is the most likely to be the one to, to kill him, to, to, okay. to actually, you know, stab <laughs> him. He who passes the Senate should swing the sword if they figure out that he's done dirty. Sansa's not exactly an executioner herself. She doesn't swing swords, but having her sister do it, <sighs> that would fit really well. I just, I, I don't know how far I think Littlefinger's going to make it. So I don't oh. know if I think he'll make it to a point where Arya would interact with him but okay you so think, I maybe think Sansa will will betray him hmm okay so you think maybe you think he'll get to Winterfell I don't know if I think he'll get to Winterfell to okay. be honest I don't know I don't know if I think he'll get that far okay. I don't know if he'll get to where Arya interacts with him but I, I definitely think that Sansa is the crucial one that'll be involved in his death not Arya of the two yeah oh I, I agree with that I think Arya might be the one to swing the sword but I don't know that she's the one that's yeah. gonna undo him like, I agree really with you with Sansa the other, I think it's more likely to be Sansa involved yeah. I suppose I, I just wanted to clarify that I, I think you're right I think Sansa's got to be the one to, to do it. It's her yeah. arc, I think. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Maybe Arya does the killing, but Sansa does the. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, the politicking, the intrigue. Yeah, if, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't. Obviously, I don't think Sansa's gonna kill him. Like, kill him herself. Right. She's not gonna stab him or no, push I don't think him. She's gonna or, do yeah. that. But I think she's gonna say something to someone that means like, oh, Harry, Littlefinger did this to me, and then Harry just kills Littlefinger for her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know that it's. I don't know who I think it's gonna be, but lots of people. Yeah, someone says camera is moving. I sense a cat is nearby. Yes, it's our you cat. Are correct. Earthquakes. This is someone who knows our streams well. Yeah. Yes. When our if, if our camera shakes, it's almost always a, could. a cat being. Uh... Mm. <laughs> Earlier, there was a, a question about Marillion. I forgot we had a Marillion quote, and in fact, it's right here. So I'll read that now. Marillion is being annoying here. It's and and he says, or Catelyn says, and to you, singer. Catelyn returned. Sir Roderick called for bread and meat and beer in a tone that meant now. The singer, a youth of some 18 years, eyed them boldly and asked where they were going and from whence they had come and what news they had, letting the questions fly as quick as arrows and never pausing for an answer. We, f we left King's Landing a fortnight ago, Catelyn replied, answering the safest of his questions. But you don't have to ask, don't have to worry about that. I will answer tough and safe questions alike and so will Shane. Such as this yes. extremely tough question. It's extremely easy, Aziz. Pineapple on pizza. Extremely easy, all for pineapple. I will order extra pineapple on my pizza. So she's Hawaiian, so she's oh, yeah, biased. Sure. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. No, I think the tomato <laughs> base is a great match for a little bit of sweetness, like pineapple. I think you're wrong. 
<laughs> uh, what a debate! Yeah, we, we we don't have a whole lot to say on that. I was just, that's, I'm I'm right for me. No, you're wrong. <laughs> Even I for you. No. No. Uh, so back to Taco Tom Pike's question: If Patchface gave his seed to the Merlings, what abomination was created? So that's you know he he says that uh, in one of his ramblings that he that they got his seed from him. Well. You know, it's funny to think about the the idea that there are dead creatures underwater uh, because we hear the dead things in the water quote from that letter sent by Cotter Pike, uh, written by his maester uh, on that ship out in the in the Bay of Ice there. But if he somehow really did give his seed to Merlings, I I really don't know what that would create. Some sort of horrible half patch face Merling patch I don't Merling. Think about patch face giving his seed to anyone. So. <laughs> that would be some awful awful creation. Jeez, like some sort of Merling with his fa- his crazy creepy yeah. tattoos on his face. Yeah, that is that's the stuff of nightmares right there. Don't fall asleep thinking about that one. Damn. Uh, mm. Yeah, I wonder about that because almost everything Patchface says is some sort of strange metaphor. So I wonder if if it's his life force was given to these beings below, like sort of how the shadow is created by Melisandre from some of Stannis's life force, things like that. Uh, may just be his way of saying it. So I wonder, uh, it's, it's some kind of metaphor probably because almost everything he says is a metaphor. But uh, some sort of connection he has to the deep, which is how he's able to live, which is why he didn't die. <laughs> Some sort of maybe the drowned god or something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really tough one. LML says the shape of water, basically. <laughs> <laughs> what is the shape of water? Uh, Round? And L asked, what character slash storyline are you most excited to see in future Fire and Blood installments? Aegon! <clears throat> yeah. yeah, more Aegon the Third. <laughs> the res- the resolution of the Alice River storyline for damn sure. I want to know what is up with that. That is crazy, cool, creepy, and weird and interesting. And I and it's uh, a, 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 the closest thing you get to a cliffhanger in a history book, <laughs> 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 right? And that's not the only thing. It's like a history book with a I'm cliffhanger. Like, picturing, like <laughs> a history book written like mid World War Two. You know, it, like goes after Texas schools, and it's like, what will happen next? <laughs> You'll decide. <laughs> what was that? That was it. I forget which Monty Python is. Might be one of the movies where he's like, and he's just like, and then he's like, ah, it's like maybe he died while writing it. He's like, he wouldn't have bothered to write ah <laughs> or carve ah. I think it's the holy yeah. hand grenade of Antioxine. <laughs> uh, Paul Berry, aka the Rolling Knight, asks, "I'm interested in your take on the numerous times George tells us about the strength of the Bravosi Navy in Fire and Blood. Do you think he's foreshadowing Bravosi warships getting involved in a future book? And if so, how might that happen? Cheers, guys. Love the streams, even though I can rarely catch them live. Yeah." Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, we do. We we are we are really appreciative for those of you who can't uh, who catch this who do catch the streams live. But we understand that it's just not in the cards for nearly everybody. So thank you to those who can make it, and thanks to you guys who uh, catch them afterwards. We always put them up usually within thirty six hours. The late, latest is usually by Thursday morning, so that that is thirty six hours. But sometimes I get them up the same night. So there, as far as the question, yeah, that's a great question. I think, yes, the Bravosi Navy is mentioned a lot and the Bravosi armies are mentioned pretty much never. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we hear that they are all I mean, over. Why would they really need that much? If they can dominate by the sea. I mean, and, they yeah. are a sea, just very, like, they yeah. are not, they're not landlocked. Exactly. They're so. the powerful city-state that can make a galley in a day, which is yeah. very similar to the real-world uh, city-state of Venice and some of those other... Uh, Italian city-states who are very big on trading and mercantilism. So, uh, yeah, I think that the way it could come into play is if there is more conflict 
within the Seven Kingdoms, uh, which I think is likely, and I don't mean versus the others. I mean more internal conflict, civil war type stuff, potentially them getting involved with or against young Griff. Uh, maybe more likely they are involved against Daenerys, though, because Daenerys is a Targaryen. She has dragons. There's everything about her that the Bravosi don't like, except that she frees the slaves, which they like a lot. So... <laughs> It's really hard to see how the Bravosi will view Daenerys because she is, on one hand, doing the thing they care about most, and on another hand, she's doing the thing they hate most. So I imagine Bravosi opinions are divided, but if the current Sea Lord, it's maybe just going to come down to him, what he thinks. If he's on the I hate Daenerys side, then yeah. And if he's on the I like Daenerys side, then yeah. So, I, But I think more likely it's going to be a conflict with her. So her navy may have to do battle with the Bravosi Navy. And that would be kind of the Iron Fleet if she's taking that over. Mm. Uh, and maybe the fleet of Volantis. That's another fleet that's in play, the Volantine fleet. And we also have the Arbor's fleet, which is probably doomed to, to Euron. So we may not have to worry about them. But it's a good question because when you're thinking about all these wars coming together, you got to think about who has the major armies, or in this case, navies, and where are they? And the Bravosi Navy is kind of like a big piece uh, in the board game that hasn't been used yet. So it, it, what is it? Chekhov's Navy? It isn't really Chekhov's Navy. That's that's too extreme. But it is sort of like that because I do think it's going to matter. Uh, did you have anything to add to that? No. Okay, let's move on. Nick Betts asks, why was House Manderly allowed to move to the north and not made extinct? Outside of the Targaryen move to Dragonstone, this seems fairly unprecedented. Well, two things about that. One... It, it wasn't just, it, they weren't really allowed. They made their own way. They escaped. If this had been a time of the Seven Kingdoms, it would have been different because you can't just flee one region, go somewhere else, and not. And the king would have a say. The, 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 uh, the gardeners could say, hey, king, why, don't let that manually go up north and get away, you know? But there was no king. The the, the gardeners were kings of the reach only, so once the Manderleys escaped... Don't let that Mander leave. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Score. Do not let that Mander leave. But once that Mander leaves, you can't do anything about it. So that's basically it. I think the, the gardeners and the peaks wanted the Manderleys gone, but they just didn't have anything they could do about it. Once they got north, what are they going to do? Send an army all the way north? That's just not... Uh, the Starks wouldn't allow that. They're like, you can't send your army up here. Sorry. <laughs> and they're not going to get their way through the neck. Mm -hmm. So they know better than to try. But it is fairly unprecedented. But um, it's, it's, they made their own way. No one let them do it. They just had to to, to survive. Mm -hmm. From Scott Alexander Wortman, mm -hmm. I was looking into House Buckwell because I thought their sigil and their seat were interesting being from the Stormlands. Lord Buckwell was one of Magor's supporters and, one was, and was said to have sailed to Pentos after Magor's death. We then have Jarman Buckwell in the Night's Watch in the main series, but I can't recall any other mention. Is it known whether he left family in Westeros when he sailed or did his descendants return to Westeros later? Well, we got, um, I well, didn't. Do you think the Buckwells buck well? <laughs> no, they buck poorly. That's okay. why they got kicked out. Okay. They, they didn't live up to their name. All right. They buck bad. <laughs> or is it maybe, is it buck well? <laughs> but so we got a good answer. Uh, before I could even look this up myself, Nina Friel jumped in, uh, as she does sometimes with a great answer, saving me the effort. Uh, she says that it's probable Lord Buckwell returned with Lord Rollingford to Westeros giving that we later see Lord Rollingford as one of the visitors who made their way to Dragonstone to talk with the king when Jaehaerys and Alysanne were living there. So that that uh, indicates that they had returned, and since those groups were together as, as fellow Stormlander houses or slash Crownlander houses, then they would have 
made their way back during that time. And Westeros, she points out that Westeros.org also speculates that Jarman was captured during Robert's Rebellion and given the same choice that Jeremy Riker was, Death or the Wall, Jeremy Riker is also a Crownlander. So uh, he may have been, and that may have also been, uh, Alistair Thorne may have been in that batch of men as well. So here's another good one, another quote that fits in really well. I'm going to not tell you guys where this one is and let you all kind of figure it out. The quote is, here now, don't soil yourself. All you need to do is answer me a question and I'll tell them to let you go. Okay, who can name that one first in the chat? Meanwhile, Matt, question from Matt Reese. It's likely Euron planned his horn magic scheme with Victarion attempting to double cross him in mind, but he had no way to account for Makoro. Could Makoro's interference result in one of the dragons, let's say Viserion, making its way to Westeros, not to Euron, but maybe to the Stormlands or Crownlands and Aegon? Yeah, absolutely. If the blood is, if the horn is tied to someone's blood, which Makoro says uh, it is, then it doesn't matter who blows the horn. It matters who the horn's owner is. And Euron may think he's claimed the horn, but maybe he's wrong. And I do love the idea of someone stealing one of Danny's dragons, and, it's, and it might be Euron, but it could be young Griff. And I love the imagery of young Griff, like, getting a dragon at Summerhall, you know, somewhere in that area, you know, at a, at a really important place like that. I don't know. I don't really think that's necessarily going to happen, but yeah, anyway. Hmm. And looks like we have a cat on stream now. Uh, Shay is yeah. holding Casanova. Well, he was trying, he was moving the camera. Again. Yeah, he was doing that thing again. So he, he gets love instead. Yeah. <laughs> he is uh, one of our non-cat name, uh, uh, Song of Ice and Fire named cats. Technically, the majority of our cats don't have a Song of Ice and Fire name. It's true. We didn't name, we didn't name him. <laughs> we got him very young. We already had a name. Okay, so the answer to that question was... People said that was the Storm of Swords epilogue. That is correct. It was the Storm of Swords epilogue. The the fray is Marilla is uh, Merritt, but the person speaking is Tom O'Sevens. He says, "All you need to do is answer me a question. I'll tell them to let you go." Well, he answers the question, and then he they hang him, and he says, "Wait, I said you said if I told you, you'd let me go." He says, "No, I would tell them to let you go. Tell them, let him go." And they say, "Piss off." <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. Let's see here. Moving on, we have Ben Wilder. Do you guys have any other fantasy series you like besides The Song of Ice and Fire? If so, which ones? So uh, and I have, before we read that, before we answer the question, I have a quote. Euron's mm. blue smile vanished. Reader, he said into the quiet, you would do well to keep your nose in your books. Victorian could feel the unease in the hall. He pushed himself <laughs> to his feet. Brother, he boomed, you have not answered Harlaw's questions. Yeah, the only time Euron is ever kind of upset. He kind of loses his cool guy exterior. Uh, <laughs> and yes, we do have other series we really like. Um, well, she, he's, his, the question is fantasy, so we won't name non-fantasy series. Yeah, but the Stormlight I like, Archive. I, like, I do like a lot of sci-fi, though. Yeah, we do like a lot of sci-fi. The Expanse we mentioned earlier. But yeah, we, we, we like... Uh, Stormlight Archive, Brandon, Brandon Sanderson's stuff. stuff in general. Really good. Sure. I really like a lot of historical fiction, which technically isn't fantasy, but it's really, sort no. of, it's related to that uh, genre. I like, uh, <laughs> I've read The Wheel of Time. It's solid. Um, it's long, so it's not for everybody. And Brandon Sanderson finished that. I do, I did really like that. I'm yeah. looking off camera to the bookshelf <laughs> to see a little Yeah, a lot here. of the stuff I like, it fuses sci-fi and fantasy. It's harder for me to 
say where the line is exactly in magic and science. Yeah. And I like it when things fuse things like that. But, like, for example, I like Nedetti, Okorafor's, um, Benti, and, like, those series. And mm-hmm. it's, like, science fiction or space travel, but it's, like, also, like, pretty magical in a lot of ways. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, it's not, but yeah, You're right, it's King Killer, King Killer Chronicles. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that one's good for sure. Like it's not that. finished yet, so that's another one. If you if you if you want finished mm-hmm. series only, then that's not the best one. Neither is Stormlight Archive in that regard. But yeah. uh, Brandon Sinner does have a lot of good finished series, like Mistborn is really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I liked. Um, but no, I oh, the Long Price Quartet. That's uh, by Daniel Abraham, who was one of the co-authors of The Expanse and, and is, a, is close to George R. R. Martin uh, personally. Mm-hmm. And it's a low magic series. Um, very cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of great world building and um, cool concepts like a really neat political system where there's they encourage all the heirs to kill, fight amongst the, each other when there's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> a succession yeah. crisis. The strongest survives kind of kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I'm just going to mention this because we've already – I don't know if it's just fancy, but I just have to mention two things. Obviously, we talk about The Expanse all the time. That's sci-fi. But yeah. that is really my other favorite book series right now. Um by a, a long shot. I Same. absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it just it covers a different sort of thing. So I have to mention that. But um, something that Eliana, uh, you know, of Maester Monthly and Girls Gone Canada and all that and I have in common is we both are really um, fans of this web serial called Worm by Wild Bow, which is um, reminds me a lot of A Song of Ice and Fire in a lot of ways, but it's like a superpower story, like a superhero story. So you could say it's like science fiction, but what is... Superpowers are a lot of magic, too. It's, I don't know, the, the lines between that are weird. Um, but anyways, I, if you've read that, too, let me know. Right on. And see, Bengalius Rom says, have you guys read a book by David Benioff, City of oh, Thieves yeah, or The 25th have, Hour? Right? I have read City of Thieves. It's really good. A lot of other podcasters have read it and say it's good. I know Joanna Robinson really liked it, for example. Yeah. Uh, it is a very good book. Um, I, I, I sometimes... Sometimes people will say something like Dan and Dave are hacks, and I don't, I don't agree with that. I, you know, even I can criticize the show. I can criticize the show a lot, but I would not go to that level. And part of the reason is I've read that book, and it's like you cannot – the guy who wrote that book is not a hack. It's a really good book. It's a tearjerker. It's well-written, and it's, uh, it's, it takes place during World War II. Uh, and, uh, or is it World War I? I think World War II. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's – yeah, it's sort of inspired by the experience of his real-life grandfather in uh, – you know, as a Russian person mm-hmm. during uh, – some awful times in war. Anyway, moving on. We have a lot of questions left and not a lot yeah. of time. Fairy Squad Mother, one of my favorite uh, Twitter handles, Sherlock Homo 24. So after the Battle of Blackwater, then when Melisandre is telling Davos and Stannis that they would have won had she been with them, do you believe her? We know she has real power and flashy fake powers as well, but can she control wildfire? Good question. I don't think she can control wildfire, but I still think that she might have been right that they, things would have been different. There's a lot of things that would have been different, I think, yeah. or potentially different. For example, we see her just blow Orel the eagle up, just turn him on fire. So there is potential for her to maybe control wildfire. And even if she can't control it, she, there's a lot of evidence that Red Priest can manipulate the winds. And that might be all you need with wildfire is just to push it in a different direction. If we can, if moving just a slight change in winds might make all the difference. She may have also been savvy enough to realize what was going on with Lord, quote unquote Lord Renly's ghost and prevented that from happening or used her or seen that army just, not only was someone dressed up as Renly a big deal but the fact that that army snuck up and attacked Stannis's army in the rear was a big deal and Melisandre may have sussed that out using her powers to see that army approaching and that would have been huge had they prevented that army from taking them in the rear so there's a lot of ways she could have made a pretty big difference. Yeah, and but they I, don't all involve magic. Say, I don't, yeah, it doesn't. She doesn't need to have. Yeah. 
doesn't need to be for sure that she would have done that, but it would have been different, just like any change would make things slightly different. Yeah, um, you're, you make a good point because she's also just really kind of confident. She might have just be saying that, like, yeah, yeah. she's just confident she would have made a difference without having a specific thing in mind. <laughs> yeah, Alan Mel says she thinks Mel's making an approval claim because it enhances her power. Absolutely possible. Yes. Yeah. I, that, she's I, aware. She's certainly aware of how to, like, enhance her power. Yeah, she's very smart with power dynamics. It's true. She understands how people perceive power and what makes her seem powerful and what's, what terrifies people about all that. Yeah, good, good one. All right, Patrick Darty asks, Blood Raven, regarding Blood Raven prior to being Lord Commander, what do you think those six years or so were like when he wasn't Lord Commander? He had his own personal army, wasn't officially in charge after running the realm for years. Had to be interesting every day. Yeah, he had to have people that hated him and people that loved him all over the wall. And I have a feeling that the Lord Commander would probably try to just keep him separated from other people as much as possible so that it wouldn't cause trouble. And he had all the skills to be a ranger. So I bet he did a lot of ranging. And uh, I don't imagine he, they let him keep his personal army, but they couldn't stop those men from being loyal to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really would have been pretty interesting. Um, but we have a lot more to say about that in Blood Raven 3, which, as I've said, is I'm making really great progress on. Uh, so hold off on uh, giving a more thorough answer for that for now. Seth Wilkins asks, would you rather share your bathroom with a full-size dairy cow or 30 seagulls? Cow. No <laughs> questions for me. I'm terrified of birds. I'll go with the cow also because we share a bathroom, so for her sake. (laughs) Yeah, I would rather share a bathroom with a full-size dairy cow than I would with one seagull. That's that's it for me. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think the cow would just sit there and chill. The seagulls would be like getting all up in the shower. and and it'd be smelly. It'd be a whole lot of things. But so would the seagulls. They'd be everywhere. At least the cow can't get into the shower and shit in there. The seagulls are everywhere. (laughs) It's really very easy for me. I think even if I wasn't scared of birds, I think I'd choose the cow. So... Jolene A uh, at our galaxies on Twitter asks if one, I wonder if saying your vows in the Werewood Grove means you can use the Black Gate. I wonder if you said your vows in the Sept with the Black Gate know you. I'm thinking no. Yeah, I think it's I think people can get through the Black Gate without saying their vows at the at the Werewood Tree, but we don't know for sure. Um, I think it's just supposed to open for a brother. I think if you say your vows at all, I'm not sure it matters where you say them, but. I can't think of anyone using the black gate that hasn't said their vows in front of the heart tree. So I think that's why maybe that's part of why it's an open question. So that I like that idea. So let's let's call that an open question that we should be remembering to keep in mind just to see if uh, it holds uh, since we don't have an answer for it now. Mm-hmm. Joe Magician asks, what's your go to late night snack when you've been hitting the mander leaf? <laughs> the mander, the green waters of the mander mm-hmm. leaf. Yes. Good one. Good one. The leaf does grow very well along the banks <laughs> of the mander. Uh, Mine's sweet, always. I go for sweet, not savory. And um, depends on if I'm doing a keto diet or any low-carb thing. If I'm not, then it'll just be ice cream and sugary things. And if I'm doing low-carb, then it'll be Halo Top ice cream. So still something sweet. Yeah. Um, For me, I like Twix for sweet stuff. Or maybe I often try to keep celery and carrots and almonds by my desk so I eat a little healthier. The cats love the carrots. The cats love the carrot bag and the carrots. Mm. It's weird. They just play with it all the time. And, uh, yeah, I think um, I'll have the occasional uh, king cone. (laughs) We we live, like, less than a mile from a quick trip. (laughs) So we have 24-hour, all-day access to delicious snacks. I mean, yeah. I mostly just have the bad habit of at 2 in the morning of drinking espressos, those little cans of Starbucks espressos. (laughs) Lots of them. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, as Joe Magician says, it's just coffee ice cream calling. Yeah, I do like coffee ice cream. I like chocolate more, but if I, but I like to combine them a lot. That's a good one. Your eyes, Tosh says chopped and baked sweet potatoes. I love sweet potatoes. I love roasted sweet potatoes actually a lot. That was so. an acquired taste for me. I didn't yeah, like them growing yeah, up, but I love anyways, them now. But I, yeah, so. So, okay, let's get down into it. Speaking of down into it, a few more the the, the remaining questions. There's a quote mm-hmm. from Theon and Bart Lady Barbary. This is down in the crypts. Theon stumbled. Love them. I never. I took this castle from them, my lady. I had had Bran and Rickon put to death, mounted their heads on spikes. I rode south with Rob Stark, fought beside him at the Whispering Wood and River Run, returned to the Iron Islands as his envoy to treat with your own father. Barrington sent men with the young wolf as well. I gave him as few men as I dared, but I knew that I must needs give him some or risk the wrath of Winterfell. So I had my own eyes and ears in that host. They kept me well informed. I know who you are. I know what you are. Now answer my question. Why do you love the Starks? I, Theon put a gloved hand against a pillar. I wanted to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, yes. He sure did. Mm-hmm. So Theon is uh, a lead into this question from a curse, some skizzle from our Facebook group who's, who asked, which character of the one still living has changed the most and which has changed the least? It sort of depends on your definition of change. Yeah. Because I see that someone, some people are debating whether Gregor has changed the most yeah. or the least because he's kind of the same guy, but yeah. dying is pretty huge. Yeah. Getting a new head is pretty huge. <laughs> hey, I think the people who've changed the most would be Jake and Hagar, Dario Naharis, <laughs> Benjen Stark, and Euron Greyjoy. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but I, for the least, um, I think Melisandre, Littlefinger, Braun, Walder Frey, and that's because I wanted to list ones you didn't list. <laughs> that's um, good. But that's I think good. those are like pretty stagnant. Like I don't think yeah. like they have changed as people. Cersei probably hasn't changed a lot either. No, I would yeah, say. you had that. You had a bunch of people I, mean, I agreed with basically. And yeah. so I was like, who else can I think of? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, some people point to Davos and Aaron as not changing very much. They would have changed a lot prior to the series, but during the series, their changes have already happened. They are yeah. men who they are now, but they were very different in the past. Victorian's a good one of someone who hasn't changed much. <laughs> There's not much yeah. that could change him. I uh, mean, but that's the other thing is that to be fair, like some of these people we've only met yeah, partway in, yeah. you know, whereas we're seeing some of them from a much earlier point. And yeah. So, yeah. Like Varys, we talked about how he had a huge life change, but that was way early in his life. He's throughout the span of the series. He's yeah. been pretty much the same guy. We've yeah. learned more about him yeah like, oh, we've learned wow. more about how his character has changed why like yeah it says uh, but it still says which character of the ones still living has changed the most and which yeah. has changed the least not like uh, that we've seen so those so, like, are some of them we know like again with Varys I could you, you could say he has has changed a lot that's a good point and those are those are least the people who've changed the most uh, some other ones uh, Jamie's a good example someone's changed a lot Arya Theon I mentioned yeah. Theon's changed a ton Sam's changed a pretty good bit. Pretty good. He's still kind of himself, but he's most. just he's just yeah. gained a lot of courage and, and stuff like that. He hasn't changed a lot, but he's 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 honorable mention. I feel like some of the courage Sandor, he's gained has been him bumbling through courage. Yeah. Um, Sandor yeah. seems to have changed a lot. We're not entirely sure of his transformation, but he seems to have changed probably. Sansa has mm-hmm. changed quite a bit. Bran. Yeah. <laughs> Bran's been more of the mystical change. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good. Danny is, is is was a scared little girl at first. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a pretty big change. I see surprise some other good examples in here. Yeah, I see people naming some of the same ones. Yeah, Thanks, good, good call. Someone says, Vi- Laura Brando said, Vic did get in a volcano arm. <laughs> that's a good change. point. That's a pretty big change from the physical change. sense. Yes. yes. Personality, not so much, but yeah, body, physically, that's a massive change. <laughs> oh, Joe Magician says, Stoneheart, because we have Catelyn. Yeah, that's, that's a, good one. That's just, a big winner there. I just so such different characters, which is about them changing the most. So yeah. yeah that's a fair I point. <laughs> Question from Styles of the Veil. 
when I read Fire and Blood, one major thing that stuck out to me was not was how hot to the touch Erea Targaryen was upon returning from her mystery trip. It immediately made me think of Melisandre being extremely warm. I'm a fan of the theory that Beleriand took Erea to Valyria, and because of this, I'm under the impression she had worms or some type of worm hybrid in her based off the description Septon Barth gave. Uh, so he wants, he, he goes on to suggest that maybe this is uh, days back to the Great Empire of the Dawn uh, slash Ashai and how these worms were intentionally implanted and potential or potentially in, potentially implanted in people to uh, create these uh, this resistance to heat and or uh, resistance to cold and or potential not, lack of needing to eat or drink like Melisandre and Makoro seem to have. That's your thinking well, kind of along some of the same lines as some of the theorizing we did in our Gagasos episode, which I've been mentioning a lot lately. It's our latest scripted episode. It is patrons only. So we're making you pay for it if you don't if if, <laughs> if you don't uh, have it already on our Patreon. But yeah, that's uh, I, I agree. There's a lot of crossover there, a lot of fertile ground for theorizing with what those worms might do inside somebody and the magic of g- genetics and Targaryens' alterations to themselves. Uh, a lot of fertile ground there. But I'm not going to expand on that too much because we've already we're running out of time, and there's a good place for y'all to go check that out. Only costs a dollar a month to get the Gagasos episode. Uh, along with our two other patrons-only episodes. So I think that's a good deal. Hopefully you guys do too. Too much. <laughs> 50 cents. Uh, here's another quote. John getting frustrated with Melisandre. Speaking of Melisandre. A gray girl on a dying horse? Daggers in the dark? A promised prince? Born in smoke and salt? It seems to me that you make nothing but mistakes, my lady. Where is Stannis? What of Rattleshirt and his spearwives? Where is my sister? All your questions shall be answered. Look to the skies, Lord Snow, and when you have your answers, send to me. Winter is almost upon us now. I am your only hope. A fool's hope. John turned and left her. Yeah, she just doesn't ever back down, does she? No one can make her feel shame or... <laughs> she's like, no, I was wrong about all those things. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm still I'm still your only hope. <laughs> ah, she's good. Melisandre. Let's see. We got see. some more questions down here. Do we? Okay. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Perfect. From Mo Kateri McDonald. Why on earth does it seem like Sarah's bastards are adult when the oldest could only possibly be 15 at the Great Council of 101? And who were the 14 claimants? I give thanks again to Nina, who had already done some of this work. So I I knew she had already done this work. So I just asked her, I was like, hey, you did some work on who the claimants were, were, weren't you? So again, shout out to Good Queen Alley on Tumblr. As far as Sarah goes, uh, her age, well, you don't have to be that old to have claimants, um, you know, to be to claim the, the throne. So, yeah, I don't know how old they were, but they couldn't have been. She's, she's right. that They probably couldn't have been much older than 15. But, you know, that's what you got to do. As Sarah may have told them, hey, present yourself, you know, as mature and adult as possible because that yeah. will be your youth will be used against you. Or they may have figured that out on their on their own. I mean, that's part of the reason they were having a great council in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Because some of the obvious claimants were, were babies. Or not babies, but uh, yeah, not distinct. So, Nina did the work on who the 14 claimants were. Some of these are a little uncertain, but most of them we can be pretty solid on. Viserys. Yeah, she's got 11 listed there. There's 11 and then three guesses who the other three were. Viserys, of course. Lenor, of course. Vagon, the, Ar- the maester, of course. Rhaenys, the queen who never was, of course. Three different sons of Sarah. Right. One who was the son of the Triarch. One who who was, kind of looks like Jaehaerys. And then another one we don't get a description of. So looking like Jaehaerys, that's a good thing to have going for you. But apparently it wasn't enough. He must have had glorious hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and, what I picture with Jaehaerys. Yeah, he must have. Jaehaerys did have that great hair. That's long, speaking of glorious, we have this very interesting claimant who claims to be a descendant of Gaiman the Glorious, who is mm. the second lord of Dragonstone following Aenar and it's said that Gaiman was the the greatest lord 
of in the pre-conquest era of Dragonstone. So I really want to know more about him, but we, we have nothing on him besides this, that thing I just said. And he was dismissed. His claim was dismissed, although it wasn't fraudulent. It was just, you know, it wasn't strong enough. We have a purported bastard son of Magor, which is very unlikely to be true because we saw what happened with Magor. He didn't have kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, purported bastard son of Jaehaerys, which was Jaehaerys himself. Very unlikely too. Jaehaerys himself kind of was able to push that one aside. And uh, there was proof that that person was lying. And then we have Lena, of course, with his bro- with her brother Lenor. And then she guesses the other three are one of these guesses I'm almost 100% sure is right, which is Ama Aaron, mm-hmm. which is uh, who has Targaryen blood through, because that's Jaehaerys' granddaughter. Yeah, and would uh, have Aaron contingent supporting her. Right, that's Daella's child with Roderick Aaron. And then Damon himself could have been a claimant, which I think is a reasonable theory. Uh, and then Sarah herself, even though she didn't appear, her name could have been put forth maybe by her, her children. But if there were other claimants, we don't know. I mean, there's, so if any of those three guesses are wrong, then we have some mysteries out there still. Uh. But uh, not sure. And she follows up that question with how is House Beard? Well, he's doing good. He's not here today, obviously. But we, he and I are doing a guest appearance on the podcast that drinks and knows things on Saturday. Well, the episode is recording Saturday. It's we're we're doing um, a review of season seven, episode one, in yeah. uh, in preparation for, and for episode the question eight. Question we get often is if he'll be back for season eight. Yes, of course he will be. He yes. definitely will be here and in episodes for the show only coverage. He'll be at Ice and Fire Con and Con of Thrones, as we said. He's even doing a yoga class at Ice and Fire Con, so you can see him there. But mainly, Sean's just really busy because he's got a got a hard workaholic type job and a long distance girlfriend. Yes, <laughs> someone awfully nice. That's right, um, someone you're y'all whose name have heard. <laughs> yes, indeed. And so uh, every Sean's time I read the Patreon busy. credits, <laughs> yes. But even if he we didn't live together anymore, he would still always be part of the show because we can That's do right. it all remotely. Yeah. So no worries there. A follow-up question. What part made you most excited as you were reading Fire and Blood? Uh, probably the Araya stuff. That was just so out of nowhere. And, I mean, stuff I didn't know was going to be in there. All the gay stuff for me. <laughs> that was, was cool. happened early, I was early for me. I was yeah. just like, I mean, that definitely was it. I was like, so excited. Definitely was that. That was neat, yeah. <laughs> and then name one character in Fire and Blood you wish we got more information on within the time frame of the book. So, again, I would I would say Alice Rivers, but that's not in the time frame of the book because that's going to be resolved later. So, I would uh, say... Red Rob Rivers, Ooh. who was a just a really small, unimportant character amongst all the fighters yeah. at Tumbleton, the second Tumbleton. And in the first, in, in earlier tellings, we didn't get to hear about what happened to any of these characters. And in this, and in Fire and Blood, we got to hear about all of them except Red Rob Rivers, which I think is kind of, yeah. I was a little disappointed we didn't get to hear what happened to him. I assume he was killed at Tumbleton like everybody else. But it's also kind of funny because he's a bit of a parallel, like a slight parallel to Blood Raven, and having him just vanish yeah. and no one knowing what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> feels kind of right for the, for a Blood Raven parallel. I'd like to see um, more of what what John Keel Dark, the Scarlet Shadow, what she got up to in her yeah. life. She, like we hear about a couple of her exploits and Melanie Piper she, too. Yeah, it's true too. So just a little bit. I, I guess all these red haired characters is what I want to hear about apparently. Yeah. But um, definitely was intrigued by them. And like we mentioned earlier, Sarah and like all these children of Alisan and Jaehaerys, they had some interesting lives. They really did. Uh, I'd be interested in that. Speaking of Alisan, John Hagee asks, Alisan is one of the few Valyrian names adopted by Westerosi. Mormont, Blackwood, Bracken, Stark, Hightower, and Farman all have Alisans. The only other Targaryen Alisan was a bastard of Aegon the Unworthy. Did the Targaryens consider this name tainted by non-royals and unfit to name princesses? It's possible that because the name spread so much, they didn't think it was special anymore. But I wonder if it wasn't a Targaryen name, if the they didn't, place. if they borrowed a, tar- yeah. a, a Westerosi name I to name that to... I too, because we have like... 
You know, all these Allies and Alice and all these names that are similar. I think, yeah, I think that's my favorite theory is that it's the reverse, is that they decided that Anise and Alyssa decided to name their kid a West Rossi name because, you know, why not? (laughs) But we can't be sure of that for sure. Okay, we have just two more questions. Stephen Puttick says, not sure if anyone else picked this up, but in Fire and Blood, the children of Raina Targaryen are both daughters, the Wilfor Area and Quiet Rayella. Yes. But in the world of Ice and Fire, Area is male. Uh, the rest of the question goes on, but I don't. we don't need to rest, read the rest of the question because this is actually a very simple answer to this. Yeah. It's a typo. Yeah. That was a mistake. The world of Ice and Fire was not supposed to have Area as male. It was supposed to be female all along. There were other changes made, but uh, yeah, it's just a typo. I think it's even fixed in later editions. <laughs> um, so... No big conspiracy there, just a typo. But you can see, but it's funny to see how little typos and yeah. little things being off can lead to valid theories. Well, they w- they're not really valid, but they would be valid if it was something other than a typo. <laughs> and last question from Lauren Scipioni. Shout out to our Italian listeners. I don't think we have a lot of them, but Lauren is one of them. And that's awesome cool. cosplayer. Lauren, yes, too. she's an amazing I cosplayer. I was looking on Etsy recently, actually, um, for my Eleanor Costain dress that I needed. And I was like trying to find one that I liked. And I saw this shop that had all like all their photos. It was clearly a friend of Lauren's because all the photos, it was like her and her Liana Stark cosplay, her and like Rapunzel, you know, like well, all these cool. cosplays. So it was just photos of Lauren. I was like, that's I know awesome. this person. <laughs> that's very I cool. I was speaking of that. I, yeah. So, yeah. So um, that's an, another good reason to join our Facebook group. You get to see talented cosplayers like her and other people uh, sharing their, their costumes as well as their thoughts. It's not just uh, theories and discussion. So the question is, uh, it's, it's kind of a two-part question. Well, they're not related, but there's two two different questions. If y'all belong to Westerosi Noble House, which one would it be and why? Do you have your answer? I have a couple of answers. You go ahead. Okay. Well, obvious joke is House Aaron because I'm as high as honor. <laughs> but um, to, to be more serious with it, I like the high towers also because they're high in their tower. <laughs> but uh, sorry, I'll stop with all that. But I like the high towers just because they, you know, live right by the Citadel. Yeah. They're up in their tower learning stuff. It seems like a pretty natural fit. But um, I mean, yeah, because I, I like the Martells and I like Dorne. I like House Dean. I like a lot of houses. But as for, like, which one I think I would be a good fit in, I guess, really, I think Hightower would be it. I None of the other – the other ones have, like, people who are readers or who are – into learning, but they're kind of the exception in their house, like Sam Darling, mm-hmm. Roderick Harlaw, you know, Sorella Sand. Like, there's these people who are into that, but it's not like they're, that's what their family is. Well, name wise, you fit the Danes because a Shara yeah, Dane, a Shara yeah, Dane, it's, it's only Dane. one yeah, letter that's different. true. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've always just done a Dane and Hightower for my lesser houses, Martel mm. Tyrell for my noble houses. <laughs> uh, I uh, I also would go with Hightower okay. uh, because of the Citadel. I want those books. Yeah. I want BB right next to those books. Yeah, that's, just, that's that's my main yeah. thing. I'm like, yeah, books. <laughs> the, books. the rest is like, what else is there for me? Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool, they have a cool place they live, too, I think. I yeah, like it's the, a city. Like, yeah. it would be, there would be lots city, of stuff, but they're, cultural. Their castles and, are so tall and like, magical. Yeah, it's like old, really yeah, really, yeah. yeah the archaeology and yeah. just the history. Yeah, yeah, old town. Yeah, definitely. No question. Question here from Amir Dubai. Dubai he just said, do you guys see, did you guys see an Uber and an Arcos? Let me just say, I love Narcos. We both do. But Narcos Mexico, which is the one that doesn't have Pedro Pascal Oberyn, season so four, That's good. basically season four, but it's the just, timeline it's, it's starts separate, over. Yeah, it's like timeline. Who knows what they'll do going forward. But it, it's got Michael Pena and it's got um, Diego Luna. And they just are both so good. Anyways, it's a huge digression, but I see Marcos talked about it. I just, I, it really was a phenomenal season of TV. And you guys know that Pedro Pascal is the lead in the show, The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian he is, is the yeah. Mandalorian. Yes. So 
get hype. I know you shouldn't no, get too excited. Too. Shouldn't get too excited for something that might not be great. But I think I'm, I, I can't help myself. Hopes. I they have, have some, high hopes too. They have some very good, like I can't actors help or whatever either. for me. But they have some very good directors working on it too. Um, so I, I have high hopes for it just yeah. because of the people who are involved in producing it. Okay, we'll so the follow up, uh, Lauren's follow up question, and then we have a little treat for our outro, which is uh, pictures of our cats. <laughs> But the last question is, ever since The World of Ice and Fire, I got increasingly interested with the Isle of Faces. Yeah, well, alongside lots of other people, she says. And I got this huge tinfoil theory that Helen Reed was involved in some kind of mission that he had been asked to do during his pilgrimage to the island, which was right before the tourney at Harrenhal. I believe that he was told to set things in motion, that he knew all along what he was witnessing and setting the ball rolling for. So in other words, that he went to the Isle of Faces and learned that he had to do something to get the ball rolling, so to speak, on the prophecy being fulfilled. And to do that, he had to get Liana and Rhaegar together somehow. He had to be, you know, get in between them and get them to meet. It's entirely possible when you have people look who can look at the past and who can look at the future, you know, you never know. But Bloodraven, uh, she, she asked, do you think children, he was a child of the force slash Bloodraven's agent all along? Well, I don't think he was an, he, he necessarily an agent, but it may be an unwitting agent. Yeah. Like Bloodraven's gotten in people's dreams he got in Bran's dreams. Yeah, he seems to have gotten in John's dreams. Who knows who other dreams yeah. he's gotten into? Yeah. Um, hmm. And that's actually one of the great challenges of Blood Raven 3 episode is huh. there's a billion possibilities for something Blood Raven could have had his finger in. Maybe we know yeah. like he probably sent the direwolves, but he probably didn't send those corpses through the wall, you know, yeah. to attack Lord Commander Mormont. He definitely hooked Bran and John up uh, mentally when John had his awakening. But he and when he was Bran there down when in the Sam crypt. and Gilly slept together too on that ship. <laughs> Somehow he crossed the seas and made sure that happened. He spends all his time looking at old footage of Shiera Sea Star. <laughs> <laughs> he just actually he just replays uh, Bittersteel's death over and over. He's just like, oh, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, get him. It's like, oh yeah, that guy got him. He just watches it over and over. That's and over hilarious. Again. I think about like what he you know to while away his time. Like if he has ever some free time where he's not like monitoring everything, just like get lost in some memories. <laughs> So it's hard. It's really hard to answer this question because Blood Raven could be involved in anything or or very little. It's so hard to say whether. But the fact that he this, that the story, the tournament Harold story, contains a reference to him going to the Isle of Faces is yeah. huge. What whether he what what he learned there or what he was told there or what impacted him there is hard to get at. But it was something and. His behavior afterwards was a little strange, uh-huh. you know, the, everything that I, happened. It's, so it's, it's comment, Joe Magician, I wonder if the Werewoods have a suggested video feature. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's all kinds of Grateful Dead videos, Werewoods, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I just, I just really picturing, you know, if you liked Jamie and Cersei sleeping together, you might like Jaharius and Alessand sleeping together, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's true. Uh-huh. So anyway, so yeah, so I think it's a good theory. Um, one of, it's one of those tinfoil theories that is is definitely tinfoil, but it's not, it's one of those th- things that could be true. It's tinfoil because we just don't have enough evidence and because it's, we're guessing at great forces of magic that could go in a lot of different directions. It's not tinfoil because it's a crazy idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of sort of a distinction. Like tinfoil is Dario is Mance, you know, that's, or Dar- Dar- Mance is, is, is Euron. There's weird Jake and like his that. Benjen is Dario. Yeah, that's that's Euron. the kind of tinfoil that just isn't supported. That's what I was forgetting with Mance. <laughs> I was trying, when I listed out the characters who changed the most, 
Okay, so Tommy Pappas is closing us out with one more question here. A super chat. It says Shag, Mary Kill, but we don't have our three options. Yeah, who are our three options? Yeah, we'll, 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 if you give us the three people, we'll do it. But... Was he just any three people? Yeah, who, who would you shag? Who are you marry? Who you kill? Actually, In all of sense. Planet's house? Okay. In all of it. That is, I, I feel like I should start with kill first. I might kill Gregor just because I really feel like someone's got to get rid of him. Yeah, he needs to stay dead. It's yeah, not fair. I that... might do that just to keep him dead, but otherwise I'd go with Ramsey. Um, I really don't like Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey needs to go for sure. But Gregor is just like such like a an intimidating like force of nature that I just I really feel like I'd be doing the world a benefit really if I got him out of there. I'll go marry Daenerys so I can maybe get a dragon. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. And um, Shag, I don't know, some good choices in there. I'm going to uh, marry Ariane Martell so I keep her from marrying Fagon <laughs> um, or trying to or anything like that and because I like her and I don't need a, need a dragon out of the relationship. I'm just trying to look out for her. Yeah, Danny's kind of not age appropriate for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Ariane is. Yeah, she is, yes. Sierra Seastar for going all time. Heck, they say that she's the most beautiful woman that ever lived. Hey, if, we're, if it's just about shagging, then hey, we could, you could do worse than that. She's cool multicolored eyes. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'll go with Sarah Targaryen for Shaq she clearly knew what she, she was doing she would know what she was doing yeah. so there's my answer Sarah, Ariane and I guess, I'm gonna go with Gregor that's a really good one yeah I didn't think of Sarah uh. I like that <laughs> okay oh. Aziz the Jorah of Westeros history oh boy that. what have I done okay so we um, we got a question we, we people always ask about our cats so we prepared some uh, yeah. some photos of, of our cats cats for our, our for our cat cat outro so here's J- Jaken. We call him Jaken. I know the name is Jaken, but we called him Jaken before the TV show pr- clarified the pronunciation. Yeah, we're going to change our cat's yeah, name. He's, like, he's our Jaken Bacon. Yeah, look at that cat. Look at yeah, the size I mean, of that thing. So much. Again, I remind people if you're listening on audio only, get this. I highly encourage you to download the Acast podcast player, which is free. And it allows you to see these images on your phone while you're listening to the podcast without having to do anything special. No, no additional downloads, no additional money. No, it doesn't cost yeah. money. Just, just a cool way to have a little bit of <laughs> fun with an audio-only program. So, yeah. Anyways, that's our big boy. He's the first cat we got. and He has um, 20 pounds. Yeah, 20 pounds, if you're wondering. So, yes. We got him. And then we got him a little friend, um, Koja Mew. <laughs> By the way, Jake's name is Jake and her cat. Koja <laughs> yes. is Koja Mew. The cat of black and white. Yeah, the cat of black and white. And so this is little, our little she's really tiny. She's the smallest She's very scary, one. scared and scary, I guess. <laughs> she's, a, she's a little... Um, there's a little uh, Game of Thrones lanyard there <laughs> by her. <laughs> yeah. For what's sake, absolute unit. Chalk AF, a plotting beast grown with age. Yeah, I know. I, I really do wish we'd named him like Valerian because he has like the black beast, black red of everything. Yes. So yeah, Koja is uh, rare, never really on camera. I think she's been on camera a couple of times in other locations. She did crawl up behind us in like yeah, a one of the best, video yeah, like, when she was a kitten. Ago. So yeah, that's her. And the next we have the cat that was on screen in this video, Casanova, along with his brother from the same mother, the same litter, but probably different father, Xerxes. Yeah. But yeah, Casanova is a gray boy, a gray joy. <laughs> um, as you see with that shield. Standing in front of the gray joy shield. Yeah. Looking fancy. Yeah. And so yeah, you, you saw him in this video today. He's a very sweet, and he's looking at us right now as we talk about him, actually. Um, <laughs> he's staring right staring at Staring right at us. It's, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't name him. Or his brother. 
I wanted, if I had named them, I wanted to, I would have gone with like some Lannister names maybe or something, like brothers, mm. you know, or maybe like an Aegon and Aemon, or I don't know. It's probably, they're probably be better cool. off if I didn't name them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's those two. Then we've got the brother, Xerxes, who we also didn't name, um, but who has pretty blue eyes and clearly loves conquering Westeros, and he has big dreams about conquering Essos. Yeah, he's he's, like. a, he's a, he he would need his own painted table because he's uh, <laughs> he's he loves the maps, yeah, no, <laughs> as you can he's see. He's very handsome Siamese boy, yeah. um, for sure. Pretty and those uh, Jenkins is is uh, going to turn seven this year, mm-hmm. I think. And Koja's five. Yeah. We're going to turn five this year, and these boys, the two twins, are four, I think. Yeah, something like that. And then we have... One a, more outdoor a, cat. An outdoor cat who adopted us. Phyllis Killer, because she has a really scratchy meow that's like... Yeah, it sounds like Phyllis Diller, so yeah. hence the name. Like she's been smoking <laughs> a pack a day her entire life. And as you see there, she also... I mean, she lives outside, so that's our back porch, and she just looks like a real queen um, looking over at her land. So... She yeah. only comes inside if it's like below twenty degrees. It has to yeah. be really cold for her to want to come in. Yeah. So yep, yeah, that's our cats. Four indoor cats, one outdoor cat, and I'm allergic to cats. So <laughs> you know, it's worth it though. I, mm-hmm. I anyone who tells me they can't deal with cats because they're allergic, I'm like, you must be really allergic because I will put up with it. Like right <laughs> now, I've actually like just keep having to, wanting to blow my nose so badly because I had Casanova on my lap just now. Um, but okay, so let's do. Someone said Phyllis Killer is a fucking king. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she is. So, you know, I've, I've seen. I have to say, I've seen her do some gruesome things. She'll leave, I mean, like cats will do in general, but she really will leave us like serial killer, serial stuff. killer stuff. And I've seen her like cracking bones and like doing flips in the air with like her her prey, just like just really tossing them around. Once there was just the body of a chipmunk and the head of a chipmunk just yeah. stacked next to each other. Yeah, no, very. I mean, I know cats do it in general, but I've seen her really. Be quite brutal. Yeah, she lives up to the name. <laughs> oh. Okay, thanks everybody for coming. I very much appreciate you, uh, people who came live and people who sent questions, and then for everybody who likes and subscribes and you know shares the video afterwards and talks about us on social media. And of course, to everybody who is going to be around uh, next week and in future streams, uh, certainly you can send questions in advance for those as well. Even though those aren't QAs, we we usually take a few questions at least, but of course, try to keep those on topic. Or if they're not, we will save them for time when they are on topic. <laughs> okay. Of course, thanks to uh, Michael Klarfeld for the maps. We talked about those earlier. Thanks to Joey Townsend and Jesse Coel for our music. Thanks to... Your text uh, is so small right there. Thanks Excuse again. Me. Yeah. Thanks again to <laughs> Nina for helping us with some of the questions and uh, in general for uh, helping me work through some of these ideas. Uh, thanks to Lord Mark of House Joseph, the Snow in Winterfell, writer of Mazla Cartho, the White Dragon with Green Scales, Horns, Wings, and Talons, R.I.P. Jinx of House Lier, Green Queen of the Rainwood, rumored daughter of a woods witch, writer of Erogenia, a Sylphic Albino Dragon with Amethyst Eyes and Opalescent Wings. Our peers of the realm include the mysterious B.R., Hand of the King, the Smiling Wolf, Lord Stephen Stark of the Broken Tower, Soldier, Scholar, Diplomat, Philosopher, Hand of the Queen, or Hand of Queen Ashea, who is known as the best. Lady Suzanne Sinistral, the learned holder of left-handed Valyrian shears called Penance, has handed the beard, and congrats on your new home purchase. Lord Jim, the fortuitous of wars and politics of Ice and Fire blog, is the Warden of the West. Lord, Stor- Lord George Stormsville, the cunning, is Lord... George of- Stormsville. That's a pretty good tongue twister, too, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Lord George Stormsville is pretty hard to say fast. Lord George Stormsville, the cunning, is Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Cabastian Frozen is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light, defender of the old gods and the Warden of the 
Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Bill Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. Lord James Tuttle is King of the Stepstones and the Narrow Fleet, Commander of the Royal Fleet, consisting of the Narrow Fleet, led by Flagship Caraxes, and the Bloodstone Fleet, led by Flagship Prince Damon. Our small council includes Lord Daniel, the Sneaky Russian, Master of Ships, Grand Maester Via James, Lord Benjamin of House Hornwood, Master of Laws, and Lord Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Greenshield, Master of Coin. Lords and ladies in their castles include Lady Diarlis of Castle Naki, the Alpha Patron, Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle Great Bellbreaker of the Second Stone, Lord Skip of the Velt is Lord of Castle Ganges, Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Breadfort, Alicia Everlasting of the Greenblood is Lady of Desert Rose, Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass, Lord Garen de Havilland is of Devil's Hand Keep, Ashlyn Winter is the Hawk's Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall, Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is Leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance, the Lord of the Halls of Castle Hillcrest is wielder of the Valyrian Steel Mache- Machete Everglaze. I almost said Steel Machine. <laughs> Lord Alistair Whitaker is Lord of the Dawnhold. Lord Bemmy Snuggle Bunny is Guardian Ranger of the Hidden Hundred Acre Werewood, dual wielder of Valyrian Short, Stor- Short Sword, <laughs> Glorious Morning and Little Light Wise, Sharpshooter of the Werewood and Ironwood Laminated Longbow, Todd Van Oben. When you fear things cannot get worse, Snuggle Bunny enters the fray. Brian the Defender is Lord of the Spearfort and the Freelands, last scion of Clan McCulloch, Strength and Courage. The Bastard of the Wolfswood is First Forester of the Old Gods, sworn to House Ironwearwood, listen for the silence. Connor the Dungeon Master is Lord of Catamount Keep and Guardian of the Smoky Mountain Pass. Lady Baelish is Dark Widow of Harrenhal. Lord Sidney Jesse is the Fallborn, Lord of Bluespring. Nevesa the Twin-Hearted is Suspected Skin Changer, Holder of Castle Carahelm. Sir Valentin of House to Jen is creator of the Game of Thrones the Game of Thrones Predictions Market. Lady Leona Kelly of Wolf Island is Protectress of the Steelhold. Casey Stark is of House Acres. Lady Kay of House Archer is Lady of Earth Dog Hall, Huntress of the Wolf's Wood, and Guardian of Maddie Squirrel's Bane, the Mighty Direweenie. Our King's Justice is Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade Fate. Um, I say you want to read your Queen's High Council. Yes, we actually have a change here. This is this should be uh, Al- Lady. This this top one, the Master of Whispers, is now yes. Alice Scander. Is now Scott Alexander Wharton. Oh, okay. Cool. Say hi to him. And, uh, oh, so you it's Alice Scander. Ma- master of of of, of, of you ET. Have it yeah. There, of ET is now master of whispers. Yeah. Uh, Rebea, Star Eyes, Lady of Waves, and Mistress of Ships, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat. In the shadows, we bear our claws. Then we've got Grand Maester Elizabeth, middle daughter of Liana Mormont, first lady to forge both the Silver and Valyrian Steel Link, and currently there's no master or mistress of coin or laws. Right on. Our King's Guard is led by Lord Commander Miriam R. We also have Sir Dollar's D, the longest tenured. <laughs> that's right. Tenured White Sword. Willa Crow's Bane, Guardian of White Tree, is First Lady of the Free Folk. Sir Dean the White is Knight of the Black Star. And Sir Jord of House Pepsi is the Beverage Knight. No, oh, uh, he knew about the Blood Knight beforehand. The Beverage <laughs> that's Knight. Right. The be- <laughs> that's right. He was ready for that. <laughs> and uh, Shea is Queen's Guard. Yes. We've got Lord Captain Commander Hannah Helmuth, Sellsword Sentinel. Alexander of House Atreides from the Seat of Dune. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Back of the Bar, Songbird of the North. Michonne the Melodious, Star of Old Town. Minds over Masters. I always want to say Minds over Maesters because of the Old Town thing. Oh, that's really good. Um, I just always want to. I just had to say that one time. Um, we've got Ser Rambo, Knight of House Ganon, First Blood. We've got Ser Leon of House Walker, wielder of the twin Valyrian steel blades, Fire and Ice, and the Werewood Bow, Rain. And we've got Amber the Adamant, the Knight of the Mist, and Mother of Squids. Right on. And we also have the Beard Guard, led by Lord Commander George the Golden, Sir Joshua Oakhart, the White Oak, Lady Rita of the Copper Mane, the Unbound, mm-hmm. Dance the Fervor, 
Sir Jeff, Warden of the IAC, wielder of Triad, the multifaceted beard of platinum red and brown. Stay frosty. Sir Tim Corgyle is Mad Boy of the Western Desert, and Queen Helena von Lanstein is partying like it's 1999 since 1980 something. <laughs> a kingdom for a drink. Uh-huh. And last but not least, we have our Night's Watch, History of Westeros Night's Watch, that is. Lord Commander Benjamin Umber is the silent giant, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Greatsword, Winter's Kiss. We also have First Builder Magor Snow, a.k.a. Magor the Cool, the Fire and the Snow. First Steward Sir Jurion of the Torrentine called Palewind, and introducing Sir First Ranger Sir Sorstalitka of House Gramercy. You don't really know what made, what made it? It's when people write fan fiction from these games. <laughs> so far, we do have fan art. We have yes. a few, like we have a Lord Gregor the Toasty yes. up there, and some other ones. But yeah, that'll be that will be cool when there's like whole stories written about some of these characters. <laughs> okay, everybody, uh, thanks again for coming. Thanks for asking questions. Thanks for supporting the show in all the various ways that we can be supported. Uh, Let's and see until if I'll next cut us time, off this time, Valar reread us. Ha, 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 ha.